are after me again for a crime I don't even believe it. Yeah, the police are after me again. Yeah, the police are after me again for a crime I don't even believe it. Yeah, the police are after me, my friend. The police are after me, she said. Yeah, held their gun to my head. Somehow I ducked, escaped, and fled the scene. Well, they already ran my ID. Yeah, they already ran my ID. They pulled me off the train in the Portland rain. Mid-November ain't the warmest ride, and the greener ain't the best place to hide, especially when you're riding suicide. Especially when you're riding suicide. Yeah, the police are after me again for a crime I don't even believe in. Yeah, the police are after me again. Yeah, the police are after me again for a crime I don't believe in. Yeah, the police are after me, my friend. So I got back on when they were gone on the flag at old gondola. Then I smoked the resin in my bunk because the police didn't find it. Woke up in a mountain range, walked to a cold, wet, lonesome pain. And then the time it came to get the fuck off the train because the police are after me again. For crime, I don't even believe it. Yeah, the police are after me again. Yeah, the police are after me, my friend. For crime, I don't even believe it. Yeah, the police are after me again. She said the police, police are after me for being dirty. Trespassing, they hate me because I ain't clean, but I think they're the ones who are dirty. All right, we're live on this very special day of talking about CBD. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to the Garrett Schalke podcast. I'm your host, uh, Garrett Schalke. We're back here in Kalamazoo at Umblad Media Group Studios in the middle of November. Beautiful weather out, just awesome. For this time of the year. Sarcasm. <laughs> Beautiful downtown Kalamazoo. Yep. I'm uh, here today with a very special guest. He is the head of uh, Dance Music Needs You, a.k.a. DMNY. He's a local DJ who describes himself on his SoundCloud as being fond of the classic Detroit sound with his own unique blend of Deep House, which stays true to the classic formula while updating it with personal touch and lots of attitude. And, as I first got to know him, you could say, and by know him, I mean I liked his page, <laughs> he is also one of the creators of the Yes, There Really Is a Kalamazoo Meme page. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome Joel Oliver. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for having me out, Garrett. I really appreciate it. Yep, Joel, uh, welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us on this Sunday afternoon. I know you have a very late night, but yeah, this is worth coming out, man, to talk about memes. Yeah, I was excited. I, just memes. Any chance I get to talk about memes, I'm excited, man. Yep, just a solid hour or two about memes. <laughs> no, no, we're going to get more into stuff about, about you specifically. About me. Yep, all about you. Oh Lord. Yep. But uh <laughs> but hey man, really, thanks for coming out. No, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate the water. Uh brought to us by the good people at Drake's Party Store. Yeah, thank you, Drake's Party Store. They will not sell you bunk C B D at all. They totally sponsor this podcast. Yeah. Brought to you by Drake's Party Store. <sighs> if I say it enough, they'll pay me. <laughs> So, Joel, uh, how you been doing today, dude? Not bad, not bad. Yeah, uh, like you said, I was out late last night. I was DJing at an afters uh, last night. Got home at like 4.30. So I'm a little tired right now, but I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling yeah. good. Getting yeah. some coffee. Yeah, uh, after party, 
Does that mean a house party? Uh, no, not necessarily. It's actually at like an artist space, not dissimilar to where we are right now. Uh, oh, so not at the Park Trade Center. No, no, at a different location that I won't disclose on the uh, radio, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was uh, at a space my friend uh, rents, and he puts on parties there. He had me out and a couple other friends of mine DJing. So it was a good time. Yeah. Well, considering the way the election here went, yeah, probably not. Probably a good thing not disclose uh, where you're partying at. Yeah, you know, I've had quite a few interactions with the police in Kalamazoo, so I, I, I try to keep a low profile when I can. Oh, and we will get to that actually among our things. <laughs> All right, Joel, uh, let's just dive into it, man. Uh, Joel Oliver, who are you exactly? Who am I? What is that? Whoa. I know it's a it's That's a, big, a big question. <laughs> we always start with the big existential questions here on the Garrett Shelke podcast. Right on. Um, man, I don't know. I'm really high right now, so I'll probably get really philosophical. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that does describe me pretty well. I grew up in Delton. Do you know where Delton is? It's like uh-huh. 20 miles outside of Kalamazoo North. I'm pointing in that direction right now. Uh, yeah, I, I grew up in Dalton, went to elementary school here in Kalamazoo, uh, St. Mary's doesn't exist anymore, and then I went to high school in Dalton. Oh, so you kind of went back and forth then? Yep, yeah, yeah, my uh, parents both worked in Kalamazoo, so we commuted back and forth, I went to a uh, Catholic school for grade school, St. Mary's, and that, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Brother, I was raised Catholic, but... I'm oh me too. Oh, I, but I'm, I describe myself as a recovering Catholic. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't we all in recovery? But, still struggling with the guilt, you know. It is what it is. I amazingly never had guilt grow, uh, <laughs> but but then again, like I never went to a school or plus growing up, you know, '90s, 2000s. It's not like a lot of like. Say Zach and I's heroes were like they grew up Catholic and they were like getting their asses beat by the priests and the nuns at school and everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah, sort of similar situation for me. And then I went to Delton, which is a public school and it's out in the country. So there's like some country folk. So uh, how would you describe your uh, childhood growing up? My childhood growing up? Oh, it was great. Uh, I had a good time. Uh, Pretty secluded, because we lived out in the country, so, like, I wasn't in the city, I didn't get to see stuff going on, you know, like, a, a big event was, like, coming to Kalamazoo when I was a little kid, or, like, going to the mall in Portage was, like, the biggest deal in my life, like, that'd be, like, a, a big deal, like, six months, like, well, we went to the mall, like. <laughs> Wait, like, how far is, how far is Delton from Kalamazoo? Like, a half hour, 45 minutes. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's out there. Uh, yeah, my parents wanted to live on a lake, so it's, uh, we lived on a lake with, like, a bunch of old people, so I didn't have, like, any friends other than my family growing up. Uh, I have four siblings, so. Are they all DJs? <laughs> no, actually, uh, I, I'm the only DJ. Uh, that's a funny story, too, because, uh, <coughs> excuse me, gosh, I do need this water now. When I was growing up, uh, I really wanted to be a DJ as a kid. Oh, that's actually, uh... Coincidentally, one of the questions I wanted to ask you. Yeah, so that that's actually yeah. like it kind of that you want to talk about like the essence of Joel. Uh, it sounds <laughs> really full of myself now, but uh, so yeah. I went to the Catholic school as a little kid, and 
my dad and I, uh, my dad always used to joke that like little Catholic boys, for whatever reason, like <coughs> really like to get into stuff like like bad stuff or whatever. Like I was into gangster rap as like a really young oh, fuck, kid. Oh fuck yeah! So, like yeah. <coughs> you know, uh, like so I was in kindergarten like 1989. So like the Chronic came out when I was in like second grade. And my friend gave me a bootleg cassette of it, and, like, that, like, set my, like, musical taste in motion. Like, up until that point, I was into, like, Michael Jackson, the Beach Boys, the Cars. I was super fucking into the Cars. (laughs) And the Beatles. uh, And Eddie Brickle and the New Bohemians. I've heard the... the Like, that shoved me off into shallow water. That was a big, like, they were, like, kind of a one-hit wonder, but, uh... Wait, so, uh, The Croc was your first hip-hop album? yeah. Yeah, uh, my friend gave me a bootleg of it on cassette, and I would just listen to it all the fucking time when I was like seven, eight years old, and I didn't think that I could ever rap, like that didn't really seem reasonable to me as like a little white kid in podunk fucking Delton, I was like, no one will ever take me seriously as a rapper, but I could DJ, like DJing would be fucking cool, and so like, even as a young kid, I would go to my dad and be like, I want to be a DJ, like, buy me turntables, like, I looked into it, and I was like, you know, I need these Techniques turntables and a mixer, and he was always adamantly against it, and something you need to know about my dad, little backstory, is he was in bands, so he grew up also in Kalamazoo, actually, Kalamazoo proper, Uh, his dad owned a trucking garage, like, right across the street from Poor Richards, and, uh, he, uh, was in bands right out of high school because that was like the cool thing to do in the 60s. Well, 70s, like 60s, jeez. Uh, 70s. And uh, so he and his brother and their friends like were in bands and that was how they made their living. Like they toured the Midwest and played all sorts of bars, oh. like staying in hotels, you know, whatever for like a couple living nights in a week. Living the life. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah it's, it's, I mean, it sounds appealing to me. I don't know. He doesn't describe it in the most glowing terms, but yeah, it sounds like a good time. But then, you know, as the 70s progressed, DJs kind of came into the picture. And they eventually kind of just replaced bands for the most part in most Uh, bars. This was like during the disco era. Yeah, like coming into the disco era, my dad was like heavily into like jazz rock. Not not disco at all. He hates disco. Uh, (laughs) And so he had this visceral hatred of DJs. Like, from that era onward, because they kind of, like, took his fun away, like, took his job away. Like, so after that, he uh, he and his brother decided to start a company where they did sound rentals, like audio equipment, the speakers, whatever, and then installations eventually, but... Tell, tell me, uh, what was your father's reaction to uh, that event in Chicago? I think it was uh, the White Sox field where they just oh, yeah. burned <laughs> a bunch of disco records. You know, I'm sure he would have been into it. I've never really talked to him about it, but that's he would have supported that. <laughs> And that story, I could talk about that for days, because there's, like, racial undertones to that, but... Oof, oof, yeah. (laughs) It is what it is. Uh, But, uh, oh, and this is no offense to you at all, but know who I'm immediately drawing parallels in your life and his life? No. When it comes to DJing, hip-hop, and even a disapproving father? Kid Rock. Oh, God. I mean, he kind of has a similar thing, and he grew up in a small town. Yeah, yeah, oh, God. While playing a bigger one. I always joke about people, like, uh, my whole life, because, like, I don't know, where where are you from? 
Alpena, Michigan. Alpena. Way up here. Yeah. Doing the hand sign that we can do. So, like, growing up on the west side of the state, I, I realized after high school, once I got outside of my little bubble, that, like, most of the state is from, like, the metro Detroit area. So, like, you go to any college, you go to any house party after high school, and, like, the majority of the people you meet are, they say they're from Detroit. They're not from Detroit. They're from fucking some city outside of Romeo or Romulus or some other <laughs> Howard or whatever, Farmington Hills, Birmingham Fields, Southfield. Uh, and I always used to joke that, like, all Michigan people, like, you can tell the difference between somebody who's from that area and somebody who's not from that area but also from Michigan by how they talk about Kid Rock or, like, whether they love Kid Rock. <laughs> I feel like that's changed now, though. Like, he's kind of, like, his name isn't what it used to be. But, like, five, yeah. ten years ago, like, people would talk about him in glowing terms. Like, at house parties, that shit would come on, and they'd be like, no. Well, and you could tell who was from that side of the state, because they'd be like, yeah! Well, I did hear that he was a legit good DJ. Yeah, but, no, he was. He has uh, some hip hop roots. Oh yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I do. I do think he was a oh, decent God, rapper. Compare me to Kid Rock. <laughs> that hurts a little bit. That hurts. The, so, no, no, I'm just comparing like life, life trajectory. That's not, fair. Not, not that you are. Kid My dad Rock. owns a dealership, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's an Aqua Teen Hunger Force reference. A <laughs> <laughs> oh. The Fred Aliens. Heard like six bitches on the <laughs> <laughs> Had to get it on the inside <laughs> so my dad couldn't see it. <laughs> Alright, we'll get off the Kid Rock fan chat here. But yeah, uh, but, but uh, okay, so uh, so that's how that was like, would you consider that a big turning point in your life there, getting the chronic? Yeah, that was a huge turning point in my life. That, that, I mean, that album is such an interesting album because it's gangster rap, but it's, like, Dr. Dre's opus and, like, just pulls from so many different eras and sounds, you know, specifically G-Funk and George Clinton and all that stuff. And it's just incredible, like, even listening to it now, it still sounds cool as fuck. And as a little kid, it just blew my mind because before that, I just listened to, like, rock and pop. Yeah, what did you, uh, what do you think of, God, what is it? The Chronic 2 or 2000? 2001 or whatever, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, that album still fucking bangs. Uh, actually, there's a DJ friend of mine, Middith. Uh, shout out to Middith uh, from Florida. And he was actually just talking about that the other day on Facebook. He still listens to that album all the time. I, I think it's a great fucking album. I mean, I, I love Dr. Dre. He's yeah, love- kind of a scumbag, but... Oh yeah, he's, oh, yeah, he's an awful person. Awful human being, but I mean, whatever. Some of his music bangs. Let yeah. Me Ride is my favorite song by him, though, still. That's off the original Chronic. Yeah. But, but, yeah, I will, I will. I am thankful for him for making uh, 2001 because uh, it introduced us to Nate Dogg. Right. Who, who has his famous clip, Smoke Weed Every Day. That's classic. Which I now promptly post every 420. <laughs> thinking I'm funny and original. <laughs> All right, so... All right, so let's get down to it. Your DJ dance music. Yep. How did you get into dance music? How did I get into dance music? Uh, so, like in high school, I, I was like I said, growing up out in Dalton. You know, this is the early, well, late nineties, early two thousands. 
electrical uh, electronic music in the United States has kind of come and gone in waves, you know? Like, you know, a lot of these sounds that people are into nowadays, like, were really first uh, created in Chicago, Detroit. You know, people argue about Berlin and New York and these other places as well, but, like, Chicago, Detroit have to be in the conversation. And, uh, you know, they blew up overseas, and then that kind of echoed and came back into the United States in the 90s. And then, you know, toward the end of the 90s, that kind of reached its apex with, like, the rave scene in the Midwest and, like, out uh, on the West Coast as well, even. And, like, all these different sounds blew up. And then it kind of just went away again. And, like, that's when I was in high school. Like, that, like the people that were older than me that I looked up to, they, they were going out and raving. Uh, I wasn't quite old enough to do that. Like, actually, the first, the only rave I was ever supposed to go to, uh, this girl that I was friends with was going to take me to, and I uh, ended up getting busted. Uh, so we never even made it to this rave that I was going to go to to be, like, the, the only rave I would have ever gone to. Uh, but, like, uh, I heard Daft Punk and, like, even, like, more commercial shit, like Chemical Brothers, uh, you know, and that kind of shit in the late 90s. And that that really got me into it when I was in high school. And my friends, you know, in Delton were into, like, country music, classic rock, like, the stupid, like, pop punk shit that was being made then, like, Blink-182. Uh, no, that was the good era. The good era, there you go. Uh, Everclear or whatever, uh, ever, uh, hey, uh, I don't know. Don't you bash Everclear. I, know, I would never dream of it. Some 41. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, I've seen them next month, actually. <laughs> Yeah, so I was like the weird one in my, you know, in my little friend group or whatever because I listened to electronic music. And, uh, like, there were a few albums that were, like, major touch points in my life. Like, Discovery by Daft Punk when that came out. Like, I found that at Best Buy. Like, just, you know, that that was, like, one of the places I found music when I was in high school. Like, this is, you know... We had dial-up internet, and I could, like, get on Napster and download, like, one song every 15, 20 minutes. So, like, that was a place where I could find music, but, like, also just going to, like, FYE in the fucking mall in Portage, the Best Buy in Portage. Like, again, like, a really big experience would be to go to Grand Rapids and go to, like, better music stores. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, like, that that was where I got introduced to music, and I found uh, Discovery by Daft Punk. And then I actually bought, uh, it was some music magazine that was made by one of those trash men's mags, like Maxim, had like a music magazine called Blender or something like that. Yeah, I remember Blender, actually. And they had like uh, 50 albums you need to hear before you die, and uh, one of them was DJ Shadow Introducing, and I don't know if you are familiar with DJ Shadow or Introducing, uh... That's a fucking amazing trip-hop album, and it really opened my eyes, because at that point, I was really done with, like, commercial music. I was, like, over all the pop-punk. Like, I was into Blink-182 and all that stuff in that era, and then it was just kind of like, you listen to it enough, and it's like, you need something else. And I listened to a lot of hip-hop, and hip-hop was starting to move in this really, like, what I considered to be a commercial direction uh, in the early 2000s with, like, the, you know, Jay-Z and all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, around around the time when like, oh, uh, do you remember this when like Kanye West and Fifty Cent kind of had their thing? Like, who would sell the bigger album? Well, this was like even before that. Even uh, this would have been like, 
what what could I put it in terms of like Nelly, like the first Nelly album, oh, yeah. like uh, the big country timers, grammar. yeah, country grammar. There you go, all that kind of stuff. Like hip hop just got really like shiny. I guess I would say shiny and commercial and like clean well, and pristine. Well, that that's kind of why I reference that Kanye Fifty moment because uh, I remember that because they're because obviously Kanye won because. Uh, Despite your opinions of him, he's actually a decent rapper and producer. I fucking love Kanye I'm, I'm West. The, oh, absolutely. He's one of my favorite musicians. But yeah, he beat, he beat out 50 Cent, and they consider that a turning point hip-hop there for some more personal, more experimental. Yep. As opposed to, you know, a uh, thug, thug rapper that will kill you every which way. No, absolutely. That was like, uh, that was right in the era when I was DJing. So like... Uh, DJ Shadow introducing Discovery by Daft Punk. Like, those are major touch points in my, like, musical history, if you will. And uh, right after high school, I, I got an internship at Borges Hospital because uh, my mom worked in the lab there. Uh, and I was just trying to find a summer job after my senior year of high school before college. And I had put on the application, like, because I was so desperate. Like, I literally, this is, like, back in the paper application days, written, like, I'll do anything. I need a job. Like, please, I will come mow your lawn. I don't care. Like, I will do anything. You need yard work done, whatever. Like, let me know. Odd jobs around the house. Because, as we all know, especially me, when it comes to job searching, the best way to get a job is just be desperate and begging. (laughs) I mean, it seemed to work in this case. Because uh, I got hired for an internship at the Borges Hospital. Uh, it's a long story. I got hired into IT, which was just a, a weird whole fucking, like, it was like Twilight Zone for me. Because I grew up, my dad is, uh, like I said, he was in bands. He never went to college. He's a very intelligent dude. But he's not, like, you know, college educated or any of that shit. But he was always a Mac user, even in the 80s. Because he had this visceral hatred of Bill Gates oh, and Microsoft because he had this belief that they had stolen the graphical user interface from Apple and all this like stuff. I mean, I don't know if we need to even get into all that. Well, but, well there's a lot of stealing. I mean, Steve Jobs also stole his shit from like that one. Park, Wozi- Xerox, Wozi- Park Wozi- Wozi- Wozniak. Wo- Steve Wozniak. They founded Apple together. But yeah. I mean, Steve Jobs was just a fucking... Terrible, maniacal human being. I mean, he's just what it is. Uh, he's just a pushy personality type person. But my dad was a fucking Mac user. And so when I got this internship working in IT, it was like, I'm going to be working on a fucking, like, I'm going to be, my job is going to be in computers, you know, servicing PCs, and I'm a Mac user at home. Like, this is ridiculous. But Borges Hospital had uh, these hybrid web TV systems in all their patient rooms that they had put in so patients could access the internet. This is, you know, in the early, like, this is, well, 2002, three. Really? So this is, yeah, uh, Borges was always, like, very, uh, like, uh, technolo- technologically advanced. Like, they were ahead of the game in that, in the 90s and early 2000s. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, it was a cool time. Um, but these were not really the best computers, not really the best setup. Well, um, in, re- in retrospect, but back then, this was just like 
mind-blowing technology. Right. And so my job when I was hired as an intern was to, like, service the web TVs and make sure all the patients could use the internet if they <coughs> wanted to and educate the staff on it because the nurses could use it because uh, this was, like, a whole hybrid system where they could assign, uh, like, patient education videos. So, like, hey, you have... You know, this condition, so here's your new, you know, diet regimen or whatever. You know, you got diabetes, here's how you're going to eat from now on. I don't know. Um, so I would do a lot of, like, education of the staff and the education of the patients. It was a trip of a job for a couple of years. And, and uh, I got to know the people that worked in, like, the help desk that did, like, just the straight-up computer help desk for, like, the nurses and doctors. And... Uh, after a couple of years, the web TV system got to the point where they didn't need me anymore. Like, I had the staff trained. I had the system in place. Oh, that sucks. And so they were just like, yeah, we don't need you anymore. We're going we're gonna to give this to, like, a full-time person as, like, just a portion, a portion of their job. Oh. So I was, like, going to college because I would, like, come back on weekends and work, like, any vacation I had, I would work, like, Christmas, spring, whatever, uh, and all summer long. And so they were just like, yeah, we don't need you anymore. So by that point, I had made friends with all these people in the computer help desk, and they actually hooked me up with a job. And uh, I met this kid, Jake, who grew up out in Portage. He was a couple years older than me, and he was like somebody who had gone out to raves. And uh, he had bought Techniques 1200s and a mixer because he had DJed and thrown some like big warehouse parties in Chicago. And at this point, he was getting into, like, the multimedia stuff and going to Columbia in Chicago for, like, computer graphic design stuff. Uh, this is, like, again, like, 2004 or 5 era. And so he wanted to sell me, my, uh, sell me his turntables. Uh, it was actually the first set of turntables I bought when I was in college. Uh, and he took me to, at the time, it was called Fusion, uh, which... It started as Detroit Electronic Music Festival. It's, people still refer to it as DEMP sometimes. Now it's called Movement. Uh, it's run by Paxahow. But back then, uh, it went, it's gone through a number of phases. It was like kind of sponsored by the city and put on by like these bigger name people in Detroit. And uh, he took me to that and like kind of opened my eyes to the whole world that I'm into now. Like that was that was really my first exposure to it. Gave me turntables. And we went to movement. I saw some DJs that blew my mind. And I, I could talk about that all day long. But, like, yeah, I, I was really, uh, without really realizing it, steeped in what people will call the Detroit sound. And uh, uh, how, how would you describe the Detroit sound? So, I, I mean, the D Detroit sound, in one word, I would describe it as diverse. Uh, you know, you got to look back. There's, like, this really rich history of D DJs from Detroit, like, starting, like, even in the present right now with, like, uh, people that I really respect and look up to, like, Moody Man, Raybone Jones, like, my homies, uh, all these guys from Detroit, because they play, uh, like I said, diversely, like, they don't just play one sound of music, like, uh, something that's kind of been lost in the modern era of dance music is sets back in the, like, 90s, early 2000s, even, like, uh, I'm, uh, dating myself, but also sound like a young, <laughs> a young guy to people that were, you know, coming up in the 90s. They're all laughing at me right now. But uh, you can literally be the guy who says, like, yeah, you probably never heard of Back this. in my day, and you've never heard of it. Uh, but Pretty fucking hip. But back then, DJs would play, like, a lot wider. 
uh, you know, more diverse. Like, you'd hear a, during any, you know, a house set or whatever, you'd hear some disco, you'd hear some fucking rock songs even. Like, B-52's Rock Lobster is, like, a major touchpoint record for oh, Detroit. <laughs> and, and maybe you don't care for that shit now, but, like, when that shit came out, it was the bomb. I mean, I still fuck with it, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Like, it, it was... Just, I'm just saying it's, like, about more than just playing, like, one oh. genre or, like, one very focused sound. Oh, wait. I, I'm mixing up the B-52 songs I hate. No, it's not Rock Lobster I'm thinking of. It's Love Shack. Shack. I don't fuck with Love Shack. Oh, uh, thank you. Don't. Tess fucks with Love Shack. Uh, oh, boo. But... Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia is pretty good, too. But I, I fuck with Rob Lobster. The, the, the only good thing about that song is that uh, I saw a meme a couple weeks ago that had a picture of Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. <laughs> he said, like, I can't. He, he, obviously, he obviously made this. Someone, he obviously did not say this. He was like, yeah, I can't end my email with Love Shaq anymore. Do that. There you go, B-52s. That's true. <laughs> but, uh, no, so, like, the Detroit sound, like I was saying, like, uh, it, it's diverse and it's steeped in its history. You know, obviously Detroit has a rich musical history stretching back to as far as you want to go. Like, uh... Detroit Rock City, Motown. Exactly, yeah. I mean, all those motherfuckers, MC5, you know, there's that rich punk rock uh, heritage as well. Uh, of course, hip-hop, as we know. Yeah, a lot of shitty hip-hop. Good um, hip hop too, but controver- <laughs> controversial. I, I like to make jokes about hip hop, but yeah, no, <laughs> there's definitely a lot of good, rich hip hop history as well in the city. Uh, <laughs> a lot of bad rap made all over the place, specifically in Grand Rapids. But no, <laughs> oh, how, how dare you? <laughs> no, uh, um, but yeah, no, uh, there's a lot of Detroit DJs. Uh, that just play like a really diverse style. Like they will play rock. They will play even rap. They will play dance music. They will play disco. They will play the deepest house you've ever heard in your life. They will play some fucking techno. They'll play some acid house all in one fucking set. Well, that's the thing too. Uh, uh, Honestly, we're talking dance music, but that's a pretty wide umbrella there. Yeah. That's how I look at it, man. Uh, A lot of people really like, I don't really, I will talk in genres, but I will also, uh, I generally avoid thinking in terms of genres. Like when I'm DJing, I don't think in terms of genre. I don't think like, oh, I'm going to play house music. I'm going to play this house set. Oh, I better go find my deep house. Like I really think about moods. I think about like the energy of the crowd and like what the crowd needs out of me. I don't think about like that I need to play techno. I think, like, this is, like, a dark, moody thing, yeah. or, like, this is a high-energy crowd. And I do have to... a personal question there. Uh, what is the difference between techno and electronic music? Well, well, <laughs> nice, well, nice whistles there, Zach. <laughs> well, the way I look at it, uh, electronic music is really just a broad umbrella for anything that's electronic music. Uh, so the whole, whole house and techno debate... Uh, is something that's been raging since the fucking mid-80s when these two genres were created, in quotation marks. Uh, I, I think it's very interesting. Because you see this, this kind of sound kind of pop up in a lot of different locations around the same time with very similar, uh, you know, perspectives and directions and stuff. Because, you know, there were these drum machines that uh, were reaching the point of affordability on the consumer market 
at at this time, you know. Like, you got the Lindrum, which Prince, you know, popularized and was made popular uh, not only by Prince, but a lot of, like, late 70s, early 80s music used Lindrums. But those were super fucking expensive. It was like a $6,000 desktop machine where you could program your drums and it you know, and have all these, like, what what we consider really, like, computer corny or electronic sounding sounds today, you know, they sound like fucking, like, Atari video game effects or something. Uh, but then, <laughs> as time went on, obviously, you know, there were uh, different iterations, different companies put their spin on it, the, the big one is Roland, you know, they, they made the 808, which is uh, huge to this day, the 909 drum machine, which is huge to this day, uh, the 303 which a lot of acid uh, has its origins in, uh, and, and like really, you know, made these things a little bit more consumer affordable. And it's funny because like there's actually a guy from Kalamazoo that I'm friends with. He actually lives in Warsaw, Poland now. Don L. Knox, uh, D. Knox, and he was one of the early uh, techno producers out of Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo actually has a, a pretty deep electronic musical history as well. We could talk about. Um, but he bought his Roland 909 drum machine from a pawn shop in Grand Rapids from some famous uh, R&B artists out of the 80s. I can't remember their names now. God damn it. Uh, I can swear, right? Yeah, I swear oh. a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, I probably should have asked that before see, we started. You see, this is a free speech zone. Oh, good. Unless, unless I don't like what you say, then I'll just <laughs> chop and screw and make you say something else. <laughs> then, then, yeah. You'll make me say whatever you want. Yeah. Deep fake it. <laughs> I wish I could remember who the artist was. It was a famous R&B artist from the early 80s. Uh, God damn it. But they got into crack. And Rick James? Uh, no, they were from Grand Rapids. And they, oh. they pawned their drum machine and uh, D-Knox was able to pick it up <laughs> on the cheap. Um, but that's what you, you, you hear that same story or similar story retold over and over again by these dudes in Chicago and Detroit who just wanted to make music. Wait, you know. wait, that's the origin story of a lot of electronic artists. They got their equipment from crack dealers. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like, uh, you know, they, they needed these tools to make sounds because they wanted to make music by themselves. Or, you know, they they were the only person they knew that was into that shit. Or, you know, it was just them and a couple other guys. Like, not enough to form a band. Or maybe they just didn't want to fucking be in a band. They wanted to do this other shit. A lot of them were into, like, sci-fi and, you know, that kind of stuff. A lot, a lot more experimental stuff. Outsider work. Yeah. Nerdy, even. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah. Stuff that I don't even really know a lot about. Uh, that's really more my friends. Uh, it's funny because my dad always used to joke that DJs... When I was growing up, like I said, he hated DJs, so oh. he would always just talk shit about DJs, because oh, I would... Have you uh, ever heard of a Henry Rollins rants about techno music and DJs? Oh, yeah. So, I have a it's funny... Kind of like, kind of like that, almost. So, so, funny story about Henry Rollins. He actually came to Kalamazoo and performed at the Bell's Beer Garden. Really? Uh, yeah, back in like the early 80s or whatever. Nice. And my dad's company did sound for it. This is like one of their early rental gigs. And my dad's all excited, like, oh, we're going to make some money, blah, blah, blah. And Henry Rollins gets on the microphone to do a sound check and just starts yelling. And my dad's, like, uh, into Steely Dan and shit. He's like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on right now? Like, runs over and, like, goes and yells at him. 
And Henry Rollins is like, what the fuck is your problem? Like, I'm just doing sound mm. check. And then, yeah. Uh, this was a young Henry Rollins. Too, yeah. Uh, yup. Yeah. I don't know. And my dad had no fucking idea who he, who he was. My dad's met a, a lot of pretty big name people. <laughs> and then, like, will call me afterward and be like, this person's cool. Or, this person's a fucking asshole. Like, do you know who this person is? <laughs> yeah, they bummed a fucking swisher from me. <laughs> like, uh, Chuck D from Public Enemy. Uh, he met him Whoa. when he came to Western one time, yeah. He did sound for him. Wait, wait so, so what happened with Henry Rollins? Yeah, that, that was really the end of the story. It was kind of anticlimactic, oh, I apologize. But, oh, like, he yelled at him for fucking... Oh, I was about to say, this is a young, buffed, yeah. angry Henry Rollins who... Norm, if you ever read his great book, Get in the Van... Norm, I, haven't, I haven't read oh, his book, oh, I dude. apologize. Oh, dude, it's one of my all-time favorites. But really? Yeah, if you read it... He got into a lot of fights for a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a fucking wild ass dude. <sighs> but yeah, I forgot what we were talking about. Okay, we've well, kind of gone all over. Yeah. I, I haven't really stayed on anything for more than thirty seconds. Because no. you're high, good sir. I'm always high, man. No, uh, but uh, the reason I asked you that question difference between techno electronic because uh, oh yeah, I never that, even finished all that. Well, that's. Well, you see, that's how I got to the electronic music here in Kalamazoo, because uh, I moved here in 2009, 10 Western. Uh, I'm in Grand Rapids now. I moved there in 2013. But, yeah, house party, punk show. Right. I'm drunk and all that. I'm like, hey, is there a techno scene here? And the guy I was talking to, who's told dickhead, by the way, just kind of glare. He's like, it's electronic music. And he kind of... Kind of went off from there. Yeah, as you can imagine. Well, I, I I started to talk about that. I don't. I'm gone all over the place. I'm, well, I'm going to finish explaining the difference between house and techno. Yeah, please um, do. So, uh, really, so I won't go off on another tangent. I'll just get it out. <laughs> um, house is generally considered more organic. Like it's made with real instrumentation or like computers that are simulating real instruments, like pianos, organs. Yeah. You know, actual drum sounds, uh, you know, snare drum, kick drum, you know, actual things trying to imitate drums at least. Um, And in the techno world, a lot of it is synthesized, you know, so it's literally like a computer generating a signal, trying to make something. So it's like how our good friend Henry Rollins talking about, you know, some guy up on her just press a button, beep, 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 as part of his rant. Yeah, you know, people get get going on that. Even my dad would do that. He's kind of funny that way. Uh, I don't really see it that way. I, I see a difference between people who put passion and artistry into it and people who just are cruising because they want to get something out of it or, you know, whatever. They have different motives. Uh, you know, you can have passion and artistry for it and push buttons. You can have passion and artistry for it and play a guitar. You can have passion and artistry and, you know rap you can have passion and artistry and dj you know it's just about what you do with it uh yeah that's that's one of those arguments that's as old as time i guess uh you know i i came up djing i, yeah. I we were starting to get there with the introducing and yeah. then i went to fusion the music festival in detroit bought the turntables and yeah that's a good that's a good jump off point there a, so. a, ma- a major uh, so there were like two really m- big moments for me. One was I saw Moody Man DJ at Fusion that year. And Moody Man is a Detroit DJ. He's still like one of my heroes. And 
uh, he plays, like I was saying, all over the place. Like, he plays Parliament Records. He plays uh, old R&B tunes. He plays rap songs. You know, he plays whatever the crowd's energy is or whatever he feels like that moment needs. And in a house set, you know, by the end of that set, he's got everybody fucking losing their minds, dancing their asses off. And uh, I saw him there in Detroit, and it was just kind of a jaw-dropping experience. And then I also, another fucking uh, situation where I bought a magazine, and it was Rolling Stone when I was in college, because I don't remember. Oh, it was a fucking... uh, so I was a bio major in college, and I fucking ha- would always have labs. And uh, one, I remember one semester, it was my sophomore year, I had a fucking early morning lab every, like, Thursday, I think, from, like, 8 until, like, 9.30 or 10 a.m. And it was, like, the only thing I had to do that day, every week. And so I would have to get up early as shit. I remember always being hungover or whatever. And then I would go to this lab, get it done, like, you know, choking down vomit and stuff. Kind of like right now, actually, right? <laughs> well, no, no. I, I've, I've matured slightly. I, I, don't, I don't deal with the vomit too much anymore. Well, sometimes. <laughs> but but uh, I, I would reward myself by going to the store. And, like, at the time I was trying to learn about movies because I had grown up out in Delta and I didn't have a lot of exposure to movies. We didn't have cable growing up. Uh, and, yeah, oof. <laughs> There was a movie, uh, a video rental store where I went to school called uh, Movie Gallery. And Movie Gallery had this deal where if you signed up for a new membership, you could rent a new movie every day for a month for free. Like every day you could get a new movie if you returned the one from the day before. Like you just, you know, swap. And so it's 30 30 movies in theory if you were (laughs) dedicated enough. And I, I was, like, really 30, excited. 30, 30 movies for the price of one. Exactly. Oh. No, I think it was completely free. Like, I don't think I had to pay anything. <laughs> nice. I can't remember what the deal was. But it was very cheap. And so I did that. And so every day after the lab, I'd go get a new movie. I mean, this, this was the Thursday. And uh, to reward myself, I bought a Rolling Stone magazine. And Rolling Stone had some year-end list. And somebody had listed this um, DJ mixtape thing uh, by a group called Hollertronics that was called Never Scared. Uh, And this was 2003, I think. 2003. And Hollertronics was these two DJs from Philadelphia, Diplo and Low Budget. And uh, Hollertronics was this series of parties that they put on in Philly at the Ukrainian club. Uh, which was just kind of a situation where they rented out this hall and threw this party because something you need to know about Philly, Philly's kind of similar to Detroit. Like, it's a Midwest Rust Belt city. Um, They have, like, their own, that Philly sound, you know, like the, uh, you know, Hall & Oates, Boys to Men. Uh, Sound, air quotes. Yeah, you know, the Philadelphia sound. And uh, sound it is. Philly Philly is super fucking competitive when it comes to DJing as well. Like uh you know, DJ Jazzy Jeff is obviously the biggest example, but like that that scene for like club DJs, party DJs is super fucking competitive. And so Diplo and Low Budget, these two dudes, wanted to throw parties, but really uh 
were struggling to break into the scene, so they just started doing their own thing. They rented out a hall and throw through these Hallertronics parties. And at the time, it was kind of a revolutionary idea because they would play like everything. They would play crunk rap. They would play electro. They would play you know the Clash. They would play fucking you know uh, Daft Punk and all this like electronic music that was popular in that era. And uh, it's very interesting because Diplo, like, I don't, do you know who Diplo is? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't. Like, he went on to be, like, a fairly big-name person uh, and, like, you know, produced for, like, Beyonce and Rihanna and Justin Bieber. Nice. And, like, you know, really, like, this whole, like, EDM moment, that's why I'm going here, is, like, uh, he was really one of the people that was, like, on the front of that wave, and I kind of witnessed that wave from a weird vantage point, because I got into DJing as everybody was getting out of electronic music. Like I said, like, you know, that, that American wave of electronic music really crested in, like, 2000, 2001, 2002. Like, you know, that Chemical Brothers, Daft Punk, Fatboy Slim... Like that shit that like was like commercial. Yeah. Prodigy. Like, oh, I Prodigy. Thought, holy yeah. Shit. No, I fucking. I could that. talk about Fat of the Land. That was another major. I forgot that one. So, uh, eighth grade at St. Mary's, uh, not far from here. It doesn't exist anymore. One of my friends had a CD, uh, Fat of the Land by Prodigy, and he let me listen to that shit, and it blew my mind. Uh, is, that, is that the one with Smack My Bitch Up? Yep, Smack yeah. My Bitch Up, Firestarter, <laughs> uh, Diesel. What's it called? Diesel Power? I can't remember. I, I still have that, like, I have an iPod shuffle that I work out with, and that album will never leave it. Like, that fucking is some fucking, you want to run fast, or lift a lot of weight, or fucking whatever, like, work out hard, that's the album. Or do, you need to shovel your driveway. Or do exactly what the protagonist in the Smack My Bitch Up music video does. Oh, that's yeah. a hell of a video, yeah. Oh, God. Twist ending, too. Plot twist. <laughs> it's a girl. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I got into DJing in, like, 2003, 4. Yeah, okay, and, okay, so I want to ask, okay, you got your, okay, you got turntables, and I, I assume you also got other equipment that you needed? So, yeah, no, I, I mean, I already had headphones. Hmm. Uh, I bought turntables in the mixer and needles from Jake. Yeah. How, and, yeah, uh, well, yeah. Wow, I feel like I'm interrupting you here. No, you're fine, man. Somebody's uh, knocking. Who's there? Quality podcasting. It's 5 0. Oh, hell no. You're no. swearing too loudly. <laughs> uh, uh, if you have listened to previous podcasts, we have gotten down. We've gone on pretty long, too, like three hour Joe Rogan session. Jesus. But, uh, okay, so. Have you ever smoked DMT? No. <sighs> Soon. That's actually going to be our New Year's podcast. So yeah. It's going to be me and Zach just on DMT. You got to have me back. <laughs> I would definitely love to participate. Okay. Um, so, okay, so you got your equipment. Uh, how long do you, how long did it take you till you felt you were competent enough to DJ? Oh, like, Jesus Christ. Uh, not even today. No. <laughs> uh, uh, no, um, so, uh, Holotronics, like I said, they did this crazy mashup of all these different sounds, even a lot wider than what you would hear out of a Detroit DJ, I mean, they weren't really house, uh, you know, house music, they were just party, they really, they, like, 
you know, really, if you were going to, like, call something their center, it would be crunk, like that Little John, Missy Elliott, like, era of hip-hop, when stuff was just, like, high-energy party. Like, all the music would, like, not all the music, but a lot of it sampled, you know, early electronic music, like Juan Atkins, that kind of stuff. Um, And so those were, like, my two entry points to DJing, because up until that point, like I said, as a little kid, I wanted to be a hip-hop DJ. And hip-hop DJs are very different from electronic DJs. Generally, they do the turntablism, you know, and there's, you know, scratching and all that kind of stuff, you know, beat juggling, and very, very different artistry. It's a lot of work, and I I don't have the ability to do that. I don't have the coordination with my hands to do that kind of, like, quick cutting. Unlike our good friend Kid Rock. (laughs) No. Kid Rock was a hip hop DJ. And he could cut. Uh, I've actually seen videos of him. Uh, he was actually a, like very very good DJ. Uh, oh nice. I don't I don't know about anything else but that. Uh, Wait, was this like when he has like now his hair long beard, or was this when he was like? No, he had long, a flat top. He, yeah, the the vanilla ice. Rim. Vanilla ice flat top. Flat yeah, top we're talking baby. like early nineties era Kid Rock, like nice. Adidas jumpsuit Kid Rock, Kangle. Hat, Kid Rock. Nice. Uh, no, so yeah, like, uh, my, my two entry points to DJing were Moody Man and Holotronics. And uh, for those of you who haven't tried DJing, that's a really stupid way to try to start DJing. <laughs> uh, like I said, I went to Delton, so there weren't any people that were into electronic music. My friends uh, that I was going to school with, uh, actually would call me, like, mean, nasty names that I won't repeat, uh, because I listened to electronic music, uh, because at the time it wasn't popular at all, like, that was considered, like, really, like, what, what are you doing? Uh, I mean, I was at Delton, so it was even, you know, more out I can, there. I can imagine what, the type of yeah, I mean, names you got called. Alpina, yeah. Yeah, and this was the early 2000s, so, Oof. you know, things were, it was a different era, I guess, yeah, back in my day. Um... Yeah, people call me names. I got, uh, yeah, we could go into all kinds of stories about Delton, then we won't. Um, Say that for another podcast. Yeah. So, uh, Delton, Delton stories with Joe Oliver. I started to bring it up because I actually knew a couple of guys that were DJs from high school. Uh, these two friends of mine, uh, Jordan and Ruben, and, uh, they both said, like, just pick one genre, one specific style of music. And just learn how to DJ playing that, like be it hip hop, be it electronic, you know, or how, like more specifically house or techno. Pick one genre of music to learn. And I was like, no, 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 I'm gonna play everything. I'm gonna play everything. And they were like, no, pick one genre. Like hip hop's harder, electronic music's easier. Pick one genre and just learn. And I was like, no, 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 I want to do everything because I'm into everything. I want people to hear the stuff that I like. I don't just want to play like one style of music. I want to play the music that I'm into. For other people, that's the whole reason I wanted to be a DJ. Me, meanwhile, your father's just like, you know, you checked out Steely Dan, they're pretty revolutionary. So, <laughs> so I brought turntables home the first time, because uh, I was still living, uh, it was in the summer, I was living with my parents in the summers between, uh, you know, school and college, and uh, I set my turntables up in the back of the kitchen and my dad was so pissed off. <laughs> uh, but I fucking... Love Steely Dan. Actually, we uh, saw Donald Fagan uh, with her parents. My girlfriend's parents took us uh, this summer. Uh, I didn't get to see Walter Becker when he was alive, unfortunately. My my dad, my parents have seen them like three, four times now. Uh, 
But they didn't take me. They bought me a t-shirt, but they didn't take oh, me to the show. There you go. Knowing that I love Steely Dan. But uh, <laughs> I, I've been known to play Steely Dan in sets. Uh, <laughs> but if you're trying to get into DJing, uh, you know, in this era... This was before all the digital stuff existed, so to DJ, I literally bought turntables, went to the record store, and bought records. And I wanted to play everything, so I went to every fucking section and bought records in every section. Uh, And being in this area, you know, there were a couple of record stores I would go to. The Green Light Music Store, uh, Satellite Records, uh, early on, it didn't even exist when, uh, when I first started, I would always go to Vertigo, which is in Grand Rapids. Yep. Uh, Vertigo, once a week after work on Fridays, I would just go up to Vertigo and buy 100 to $200 worth of records with my paycheck. <sighs> nice. Uh, yeah, I ate a lot of ramen. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, I just spent a shitload of money on records, uh, you know, and I've been doing that for 14 years now. Um, Still eating ramen? No, I eat better than that now. Okay, that's uh, good. Good for your health. Tess makes sure that, yeah. Uh, she shops at Aldi. Uh, but, you know, I, I started buying, like, chunks of records with no rhyme or reason. Like, I had all kinds of different shit. I had, you know, hip-hop that's at 85 beats per minute. I had dance music that's 120 beats per minute. I had other dance music that's 140 beats per minute. I had ghetto tech that's 160 beats per minute. And I was trying to mix it all together without a fucking idea what I was doing beyond, like, I need to slow this one down or speed this one up uh, and that kind of stuff. I played around on, like, computer editing files and stuff uh, before that point. But, yeah, it, 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 was, a, it was a long, like, this, the learning curve was steep for me. I didn't have a lot of people to teach me what I was doing. Uh, I've never been somebody to like seek out advice from others anyway, or listen to people when they give me advice. So there's <laughs> there that as well. That's, uh, that's the way to go, right there. Yeah, never, I, never get help. I kind of had to learn on my own, you know. Um, but it was funny because I got the turntables in May, and the first gig that I played was my uh, the college I went to. I went to Hillsdale College, and uh, they're like come back to school party, was it my junior year? Uh, or senior year. Was the first gig I DJ'd ever, uh, like outside of my practice area. And it was really intense. And, yeah, I just don't, I remember being completely unprepared for it. (laughs) And I had practiced for like three months, just like thinking about that one gig because I knew about it for most of that three months and just sweating it the whole time. Like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so you're telling me it wasn't like the perfect gig, the one that just totally shot your career up? No, Lord, I'm still waiting on that one. <laughs> no. Um, Very relatable. Yeah. You know, uh, what's funny about DJing, um, is I, I feel like I've DJed to so many empty rooms or like half empty rooms or like rooms of people that are just not feeling it. Like you, I guess it's just kind of part of anything like that. You kind of have to get your lumps or whatever they say, yep. you know, pay your dues, um, so to speak. Indeed you have. And, uh, let's fast forward there and, uh, talk about your company. Want to do that? Sure. Yeah. Yep. 
as I said in my awesome intro, that did not stoke your ego at all, you have your own promotion called uh, Dance Music Needs You. Yep. Yeah. How did that start? How did that start? Um, so, fast forward, uh, I, I DJed through college, uh, like I said there. Um, this is all in Kalamazoo still, right? Well, no, I, w- I went to Hillsdale College. Uh, which I was trying to avoid mentioning because it's kind of embarrassing to me. Uh, my parents forced me to go to Hillsdale College because they thought it would set me straight and uh, clean me up. It's super uh, conservative. Dude, that's nothing. I went to Alpena Community College. Yeah. You want to know bad. <laughs> and uh, so I DJed lots of parties while I was there. And then I had some experiences with women that didn't go so great, like a couple relationships that went sour in a row. And uh, reconnected with a girl I went to grade school with, and we kind of hit it off. The, this is off great, the record. Great thing to talk about in front of your uh, <laughs> partner. In front of my current girlfriend. Uh, she's aware of where my son came from. Uh, so I got married right out of college. For the podcast. <laughs> I, I got married right out of college, and uh, immediately we had a child. Uh, I got her pregnant after, after we got married. Uh, <laughs> Good Christian marriage. Um, uh, and we had my son Liam uh, in 2007 and then promptly split up uh, for the better, for Liam's sake at least, uh, for everyone's sake really. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Um, but it is what it is. Liam's a lovely child. I'm happy to have him. And uh, Future DJ. No, he's very embarrassed by his father's DJing, I think. Oh, I that's know. sad. It's kind of a back and forth. We'll see. Um, but at any rate, you know, having a kid kind of took me out of the DJing game for a while. I DJed a lot of house parties for Western, uh, for my friends that went to Western at that time as well. Um, but then I had Liam, and that was kind of that. Like, for a little while, I was just a bedroom DJ, and I played at home. I got divorced. Uh, I got laid off from my job. This was like during the economic recession, like 2008, 2009, 2010. And that was like a, a, a dark period in my life. Uh, I, I, I lost a lot of stuff and uh, I moved to Lansing for a job and uh, like, uh, yeah, just yeah, kind of got away from all the bad energy or whatever. I was about to say, uh, you're trying to escape. Bad energy. Yet you moved to Lansing. Lansing, a show. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't really care for Lansing at all, man. Uh, Who does? If you really think about it. Yeah, no, you're not <laughs> wrong. I mean, I feel bad because I still have a lot of friends there, but uh, no, I, I don't care for Lansing. Uh, it, it was just—it's just so flat and uh, like drab and gray. Their winters are like cold and windy. They don't get a ton of snow because they're so far in the middle of the state. There's not a lot of water around. And, like, I grew up on a lake. I'm into water. There's, like, a river, and that's it. Oh, that's also the capital of our state. So, so you see why it's such an awful city. Yeah. uh, Exactly. (laughs) Terrible weather. Terrible landscape. It's the capital. Terrible people. Awful. Those big smokestacks. Ominous smokestacks. Um, (laughs) But I took this job up there, uh, and... Uh, just was a bedroom DJ. I uh, actually had a friend that was going to school out in Kansas uh, and had a radio show on the radio station, the student-run radio station out there that I would actually de- do mixes live for uh, over the air. And then uh, 
Uh, this was like Liam turned five. And my dad's not really a super touchy-feely kind of dude. He's like uh, just the opposite of that, really. Uh, like Red Foreman from that uh, 70s show kind of dude. Which, as we all know, is the, per- the, the, the perfect type of parent. Right, Tess? Yeah. And uh, he, he came to me and said, you know, uh, I really respect you because you're still into this uh, like DJing thing. You're really passionate about it. I can see that you're dedicated to it. You've been doing it for this long. But... You know, at this point, it had been like, uh, you know, closing in on 10 years, like seven, eight years. And he said, you know... Uh, your mom and I want to do whatever we can to, like, help you with that. Like, you should start trying to go out and, like, make something of yourself as a DJ now. Like, we'll watch Liam or whatever. He's getting to the age now. He's starting kindergarten. You know, go out and try to make something of yourself. So, uh, I had a friend who DJed that I had worked with at a previous job. And he told me there was open deck night at Papa Pete's uh, in Kalamazoo here. And so, I showed up to open deck's. With a bag of vinyl and played a set. And uh, at the time, Open Decks was put on by a crew called Layer Cake. And uh, the dude who was putting it on, Gami, shout out to Gami. I haven't seen him in forever. Uh, he was just like, whoa, where the fuck did you come from? Like, Because most of the kids that would come in there and DJ in this era, this is like 2012. Well, yeah, 2012. Uh you know, dubstep was really popular. Like, the EDM thing had started blowing up. Diplo and all these guys uh, had taken this sound and made it really commercial. And so that was, like, what all these kids were playing. And, like, becoming a DJ became a thing again, which was really weird to me because I came into it, like I said, when it was kind of in a trough. Uh, but I started going out and really impressed the guys in Layer Cakes. And Layer Cake put on parties in Kalamazoo. Uh, at the time, and they booked um, me to open a party actually at Shakespeare's lower level, just down the road here, uh, opening for DJ Assault, a ghetto tech DJ from Detroit, and uh, that kind of was the the springboard or whatever, as they say. Uh, And then I moved back to Kalamazoo for a job to be closer to my son, because his mom lives here, and, uh, you know, Continued to focus on DJing, get gigs as much as I could, and get booked for other people's stuff. Um, but Kalamazoo is a pretty small market, so there's only so many of those gigs that you can hustle as somebody who's not putting on your own parties. So eventually, over time, it kind of became clear to me that I needed to, needed to do that. And uh, I had a partner early on named Nigel. Uh, Nigel won. Uh, he actually uh, put me on. We played at Uzo's. I opened for him. Uh, which used to be a really cool house night in Kalamazoo. It doesn't happen anymore. Uh, Uzo's actually closed recently, unfortunately. Times are changing. Oh, good. Um, yeah. I've heard of it, but I don't think I've ever been. It was a great Greek restaurant, but uh, in this era, they put on like these great little house parties, uh, like house music, and it was like a room like maybe two times the size of this studio. Uh, so really intimate space with just a little bar, and everybody would be super into it. So it was a really fun energy room to play for. Um, but Nigel and I actually got together and teamed up. We started making music together and putting on parties together uh, called Inclusion uh, at a space on the south side of Kalamazoo called Fire. Uh, f- yep. Fire Historical or Cultural Arts Center or whatever. Yeah, that's on uh, Portage. Right? Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah, deep in the heart of the south side. And those were really fun parties. I really loved that era. 
because it was kind of an anything goes situation. Like we were buy, renting out the space, so we had to handle everything. Like the first few of them, I like brought tons of beer to sell. I brought all kinds of stuff because I wasn't sure what to expect. <laughs> uh, like over time, we kind of got a system about it. But like, uh, uh, so far you're so good. You know, here in Kalamazoo, just bring a shit ton of beer. Right? Yeah. No, uh, people fucked with that. Uh, it was always cool because, you know, like, that's one of the big, I feel like, differences between Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids in my experience. Like, like I said, I've had some interactions with law enforcement, uh, throwing parties like I do in Kalamazoo, like, that kind of comes with the territory a lot of the time. Uh, and I always joke that, you know, my interactions with police generally go fairly well because I'm a taxpaying looking ass white dude. Like, you know, I got glasses, I'm fairly well. Sh- you know, well-kept, I'm clean-shaven, you know. And a Steely Dan fan, so... Steely Dan fan, helps. you know, that exactly. Uh, so the cops generally, you know, call me sir and treat me with respect. So, like, I, I look at that as my service to the community. Like, I can put on a party and I can be the guy that talks to the cops and, like, let some reckless shit happen because, like, I'll take that hit. Uh, Good man. But, like, the difference between Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids is in Kalamazoo I can have that conversation with the cops Grand Rapids is so. Oh yeah, there. oh yeah, they'll shut you right the fuck down. Yeah, there, yeah. there, there are like a few venues, but uh, they're really on the down low. And yeah, it's, it's not like here. Well, 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 it's not as big here as when I was uh, living here, but it's not as frequent the shows. Yeah, it waxes and it wanes. Um, yeah, Nigel and I started doing the inclusions. That was in like uh, what two thousand and fifteen. Yeah, and we did inclusion for a year, um, and then, you know, Nigel had a lot going on in his life, he had another child, and then ended up ultimately moving to Austin, Texas, kind of jealous of him, that seems like a cool place to live, uh, but he kind of... Plus is out in Michigan, so that's pretty cool. Right, yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm not into the cold weather, so I'd take that for starters uh, in the first place, but, uh, you know, he left... Had the kid and all the other stuff going on. So our partnership just kind of came to an end, unfortunately. It was a good time. Um, But I had to start doing stuff on my own, so I created Dance Music Needs You. Uh, Wait, so what was it called? Something else beforehand? Well, Nigel and I's parties, we just called Inclusion. Oh, okay. Uh, he He has a record label called Intimate Venues Records. That we released music on. I actually managed the label for oh, him for oh, a time. Oh, so you still work with him? Uh, not anymore, no. I've, I've ended that relationship. That's, uh... <laughs> that's, another story. that's, a, that's an off-the-record conversation my manager was supposed to tell you about. Uh, topics we can't talk about. No, okay, uh, potentially <laughs> No, it was fine. I mean, it, it's like anything. There's always going to be artistic differences and that kind of All thing, right. you know. All right. Um, all right, we won't talk about stuff that will get me sued. But no, uh, it's all good. Uh, we did the inclusion thing, and then I started doing Dance Music Needs You, uh, you know, kind of as an offshoot of it. Uh, definitely in the same trajectory, uh, same focus. And Dance Music Needs You, I, I lifted that, I stole that from this rant from a big famous DJ uh, named the Black Madonna. Uh, she's a, <laughs> a woman originally from Kentucky. Uh, she's like steeped in the Midwest rave scene history. She came up in Chicago. Uh, she's a smart bar resident, but now she lives in the UK. Um, but 
when I when I chose the name Dance Music Needs You, I, I was looking for something to appeal to the Kalamazoo audience because Nigel and I we called our party Inclusion, and I was always the more like business focused guy because you just have to know Nigel. Nigel and I are kind of yin and yang that way. Like he's kind of very. Uh, uh, oh please go uh, on. I don't Say know. something that could not get you in trouble. Not He's, yeah, the opposite of that, you know, just kind of loose and letting it go. He's very much the artist. And, you know, his attitude was like, if if somebody doesn't have five bucks to pay the door, we should still let him into party because, you know, like, like you got to look out for the community and we're doing this <laughs> as a service to the community. And I was always like, man, if they don't have five bucks, what do they have to party about? Like... You know, they're coming out and having a good time, but they don't have five dollars. Like, uh, I don't know if they can come out and have a good time. I think maybe, <laughs> like, they need to reevaluate, make me maybe make some different life decisions. Um, but I think there's a a, a balance. Or a, there's a balance or a middle ground there. You can definitely strike. Um, but Nigel and I learned actually with inclusion that you really you you can't do the free thing. Uh, for too long, because people really started trying to abuse it, unfortunately. A lot of people go, oh, they got in free. I got in free last time. Why did that person get in for free? I you know, know the DJ. Come on, kind of snowballs, exactly. And when you're renting a space and doing it all yourself, you know, the, the costs are very obvious to you, you know. You're literally paying it right out of your own pocket, so it kind of becomes a little more real, at least for the person who is paying for it out of their pocket. Uh, <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, I started doing Dance Music Needs You because Black Madonna had this rant in an interview where she was just talking about all the things that dance music needs because, you know, like I was saying, this, you know, the EDM, the electronic dance music era kind of blew it up again in the late 2000s and it became very commercial again in the United States for whatever reason, that's kind of what happens. Uh, These big corporations grab a hold of trends and it just kind of gets out of hand and you have these hundred thousand person festivals and stadium shows and all this bullshit and they're pop artists and they do commercials and stuff. Uh, and so she kind of as a response to that, cause that, uh, that can kind of be homogenous. Uh, you know, that, that, uh, if you look at like the, the heroes of that, it, it will largely be white males that look a lot like me, uh, not to make fun of me. But there's not a lot of space for minority voices in that world. And so her rant was kind of about that and around the fact that, like, dance music doesn't need this homogenous culture. Dance music needs, you know, single moms who can't afford to pay the cover and, you know, people who lost their jobs. And dance music needs poor minorities. And dance music needs, you know, I started to talk about where dance music came from in these dudes buying drum machines and making music in their parents' houses or whatever. A lot of them uh, were growing up in these minority communities in Detroit and Chicago. And, you know, uh, if you look at uh, quite a few of them, they were also homosexual. And this was kind of their, like, escape from the the normal culture. You know, and that's why I kind of, like, get sensitive when people talk about that, like, disco sucks era and the whole, like, White Sox game, the infamous, infamous thing. Uh, in Chicago where they blew up all the disco records or whatever because that was kind of a, 
there there were like some racial undertones there and also some uh, like okay. Uh, okay, I was homophobic just... undertones as well, unfortunately. Uh, okay, I was just kind of bringing it up as a joke. No, I, I not understand. Mean to offend you. No, it's all good. You don't offend me. I'm just like I, I get sensitive around those topics, but uh, uh, so that that was really where dance music needs you gets its origins from was like this belief that there needs to be this space in Kalamazoo where people of any any stripe can come and have a good time, let loose, you know, have their fun, uh, in a place where they don't feel like they're going to be judged or everybody is looking at them or it's all about who's who and the VIP line and all that bullshit. Right. Like, or whatever. Like, it's not about any of that. It's about going out, seeing your friends, having a good time. Uh, and that's something I've always taken very seriously is like, you know, I grew up in Kalamazoo. I went to a Catholic school. I fucking went to a little hick school out in the country I went to a fucking really conservative college, but I've always been in Michigan. I lived in Lansing. I lived in Ypsilanti. But, like, Michigan is my home, and I know a lot of different types of people. I've met all kinds of different motherfuckers. And I love seeing them all interact. I love seeing the ideas that people could come up with and the friendships that are born out of that, you know, relationships and interactions that you don't expect when you come to a party and you run into all these different people and these different crews that I know or that I've come into contact with, yeah. Okay, and... uh DMNY isn't just you, right? You got other people. No, it, this? yeah, it, you know, initially it was just me. Initially, uh, the first party actually I just saw today on my Facebook memory. I'm uh, kind of obsessed with my Facebook, if you couldn't tell. Uh, and my Facebook memory from three years ago on this day was I got the flyers for the first dance music needs you party. Uh, Very nice. Let's see. Uh, Twelve three. Twelve three sixteen was the first one. Yeah, ten ten to two a.m. At Fire at Portage, 21 plus, $5 entry. And you know... Which is free if you know the DJ. Uh, <laughs> back then I was pretty pretty firm about the price. Uh, we advertised the time ending at 2 a.m. Even though we would always go until like 6 a.m. Because uh, I didn't want anybody from the place to see it and be like, Whoa, he says he's only doing it until 2. Uh, <laughs> dude, dude my, favorite, my favorite city is Chicago. I wish I could live there. Really? Yeah, and one of the reasons I love is because I'm like... Here in Michigan, they go. They go on all night. Pretty I mean, much, which here, is awesome. here in Michigan, if you know where to go, if you know the people, you can you can go all night. Well, it's just about knowing people. Unfortunately, it's kind of a. I know, but it could be worse. Though I uh, went to London this summer. For, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You know what their their closing time pretty much is? No, uh, midnight. Really? Yeah. Like I'm walking around one night. I was like. Where the fuck is everybody? Wow. Like, no, we kind of closed down at midnight. Wow. You know, a few places stay open, but yeah, there we go, mate. Yeah, Chicago <laughs> Chicago is cool that way. They have spots yeah. that go yeah. to four or five. Yeah, my very first time I visited Chicago, I went to a bar in a Lakeview. No, not bar, club called Berlin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at that today because uh, they had. There's a big famous record store in Chicago called Gramophone. Yep, their fiftieth anniversary party was at Club Berlin last night. Yep, and so I was like, oh wow, I've never yep. heard of this I place. I stayed there and partied, aka drank and danced till like six in the morning. Right, and I remember walking back to the hostel I was at as the sun was coming up. Nice. Now I couldn't do it because I'm old and, ah. and lonely. But back when I was in my young 20s, starting college, fuck yeah. Hi, you're never too old, man. You're never too old. You say that now until you reach that age, then it's like, 
Huh? I am yeah, past that age. Yeah. Wait, really? How old are you? Thirty-five. Yeah, you are older. Than me. <laughs> Thirty-five. Okay, so uh, who's part of uh, DMNY? Like, why are DJs? Oh man, um, we got a, a really great cast of uh, Kalamazoo DJs. I'm really proud of the crew that we have. Uh, Polly Gray, who's kind of like one of my partners. He's been with me for the longest amount of time. Uh, really in the current crew, um, actually uh, going back to the inclusion era, like one of the first parties we did, Nigel introduced me to Polly, uh, and now Polly's in the crew, and just really a central piece of dance music needs you. Uh, and then Erin, who DJs as Solar Spice, uh, she's the lone female DJ at the moment, uh, love Erin to death, she has such a fucking great energy. On stage, it really shines through when she's playing music. I fucking love her to death. Uh, she's such a great person. Uh, we have Antonio, who's a Western student. Uh, he's busy as fuck with college, uh, doing all that kind of stuff, but he comes out when he can. Uh, Echo, who DJs as Senor Petias. Uh, I, I can't remember what that means in Spanish. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like I'm, I always feel like I'm leaving That's people out. DJs, That's pretty much the DJs. Out. You know, DMNY is more than just DJs. Uh, Rob Jolly and Christina Jolly are really, really, really central pieces of the puzzle as well. Uh, Christina is what we call the street team lead, uh, kind of heads the promo st- uh, game for us. Also does all the like decoration, like scene design stuff. Uh, really puts the theme together for any event and like, you know, make sure it's focused and make sure that, you know, coming into a, a space, uh, something I've kind of come to understand about putting on events is when people are coming out to have a good time, you kind of want to transport them somewhere else. You don't want them to feel like they're just like in a place in Kalamazoo. You want them to feel like they've been taken away from their problems or they've been taken away from life or they've been taken away for, you know, just a couple half hour or a couple hours of their, you know, week as, you know, just into this very unique environment. And Christina is really pivotal to that. She comes up with lots of great themes and ideas for our events and the decorations, you know, to make that happen and make people feel like they're not just, you know, at whatever bar they're in or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then Rob Jolly, her husband, is our designer. You know, he does the flyers and all the artistry and is really just fucking amazing. Uh, he's going to school for that right now. Uh, and it's just really cool to see each event, his unique spin on it, what he can do with the flyer and, you know, put his spin on that whole party. Um, so they're, they're really integral pieces of the puzzle. Uh, Matt Schmidt, who's a big piece of the promo street team. Uh, tons of people on the street team, actually. I could talk for hours about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot more than just me anymore. Uh, back when I first started, it was me. I would fucking uh, rent the fire space, hire a door guy, uh, get sound from my father over time. I bought equipment myself so I could just do it. Um, you know, I bought lights. I bought a projector. I bought, you know... Uh, I would handle booking DJs, obviously, other than myself, because it wasn't just going to be me. Um, but yeah, I would I would manage the whole deal, and over time that just kind of snowballed. You know, there, at first it was just one guy who was helping me out, 
and then two, and then, you know, more and more people. Over time, we've had people come and go. Uh, you know, there's some loose affiliations. Uh, I always tell people, you know, it's kind of on their own terms. I don't want it to be, like, something that, like, uh, you know, takes too much time up or is, like, causing them mental stress or anything of that nature. So, you know, when it's at that point, I just ask them to, you know, pull back a little bit. So it's never like, no, you must DJ this event. Right, no, exactly. You have it's to be at this house party. Strictly a volunteer thing. You have to take that $5. Strictly strictly when they want to have fun. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, how has the reception been for it? Really, it really, really, really positive. It's just grown and grown and grown. It's been crazy. Uh, you know, back when I used to do stuff at Fire, there would be, you know, uh, early on 30, 40, 50 people. We would get excited when we broke 100 people. Um and nowadays I'm disappointed if I'm not doing, you know, double that, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, on a whatever regular ass night of the week at Shakespeare's when we're doing parties there. Uh, so, yeah, my standards have changed a bit over time. Uh, yeah, the, the reception's been really positive. You know, we came out with a T-shirt that just says Dance Music Needs You with the logo that was designed by a good friend of mine, Dave Doss. Uh, he put that together for us. And I've sold a shitload of those t-shirts, like more than 100 Dance Music Needs You t-shirts. Very nice. I've mailed them all over the country. Uh, yeah, blew my mind uh, the first time we made like a run of like, I think 10, 10 shirts just for like the crew. Like I had them made and paid for them and just gave them out to people that were like involved in putting on the events. And the reception online, I had so many messages and people just being like, let me get one. Let me get one. How do I buy one? How much are these? And uh, I always just try to do things uh, as affordably as possible for people. So at first it was like $10 a piece. Uh, and then when my prices or my cost went up, I had to raise prices a little bit. So it's like, depends, sometimes 10 sometimes 12 sometimes 15 bucks a piece with shipping and that kind of thing. Um, That's still reasonable. But yeah, it's a really high quality t-shirt. Uh, it's Bella and Canvas. They're uh, made in America. Uh, Nicaraguan material, but they feel like, uh, like, uh, American, what's that company? Uh, American apparel, like they're real nice quality cotton shirt. Trump uh, appreciates you making it in America. Well, yeah, I just appreciate knowing it's not being put together by some five-year-old who's being whipped. Uh, but rather a 35-year-old DJ. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so, uh, okay, reception's been good. Uh, yeah. Any, uh... Any, like, uh, future plans for it? Like, it said that it's been, that it's, evolu- oh, sorry, the description I read is, you know, bringing dance music to Kalamazoo and Southwest Michigan. Yeah. Any plans, like, expand elsewhere in Michigan or even out of state? You know, I've been asked that. Uh, no, I've never had any desire or goals to try to take dance music needs to beyond Kalamazoo. So you're selling a lot of t-shirts outside of Kalamazoo. I am. Uh, people, I guess the name resonates with people. Uh, um, you know, I, I chose the name. I kind of started to say it's from that Black Madonna rant because she just kept saying, dance music needs, dance music needs, dance music needs. Has she ever contacted needs. you about this? No. Uh, she and I have interacted a few times on social media. Uh, she's a very famous DJ, you know, making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Uh, but I, I've interacted with her a few times. It's never been too positive. Uh, uh, she's never been like, hey, you know, you 
No, this sounds a little bit familiar. Like, I may have been on our rant about No, I'd be kind of curious. I, I think you uh, owe me some royalties. If I ever run into her face-to-face, I will definitely bring it up and maybe try to get her a t-shirt. Uh, but it would be one of those things I'd have to see how it would. Fam- famous DJ Black Madonna appreciates it. Yeah. Um... But I, I chose that name. I started to say uh, inclusion, I felt like, was really ambiguous. Like, I was always the business-minded guy, and I would be doing ads, you know, for us trying to get more people to come out to our parties when Nigel and I were doing parties together. So I was always the more business-minded guy, and it was like, gosh, if I saw an ad on Facebook for inclusion, I wouldn't know what the fuck that was. Like, what am I going to, or what am I? Why would well, I click on that? They're still inclusion. both. They're still both very welcoming names. No inclusion. Right. Dance music needs you. Exactly. And that that was where dance music needs you was born out of. Was like I want it to have exactly what it is in the name for a Kalamazoo audience. Kalamazoo doesn't necessarily understand deep house or techno or you know these terms, but if I say electronic music, they understand dubstep. Or, I do. I do yeah. remember that from house party. Oh, Kalamazoo understands dubstep. What do do they? Until it got very annoying. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Rest in peace, PBR Palace. Aw. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was never too big on the dubstep sound. Wop wop wop. Uh, but. You know, that that was why I chose Dance Music Needs You, because it has dance music right in the name. So I knew anybody scrolling past it in Facebook or whatever would immediately know what they're signing up for, what what, what this is about. Um, and, you know, I've told people before, dance music, you know, that, that term or that phraseology kind of has a negative connotation in the underground world. Because it's very elitist, it can get kind of snobby and like, oh, I was there when you weren't there. I was there and, you yeah. know, like I was joking earlier, I was there in 2005 and people would be like, oh, I was there in 2001. I was there, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was or, there in the 90s. I was or, there in the 80s. I was or there. the guy I knew, like, it's not techno, it's electronic. Right. Here, let me constantly explain to you down in this basement. So. Exactly. Exactly. There's always that element to it. And... So dance music as a term has that connotation, like the snobs, the elitists will be kind of like, look, uh, you know, look up their nose at it or whatever the the phrase is, you know, turn their nose up at it. Um, Because it's kind of considered a lowbrow term or just a common thing. But that was really, you know, my goal, it was more of a statement that I wanted to make to Kalamazoo, that everybody is welcome. This party needs everyone. We need all your ideas. We need all your personalities. We need all of your energy. And that, that, that's really been the, the focus since then. Um, and the, the reason why I say that I would never take it anywhere else is because, I, like I said, I feel like I'm a product of Kalamazoo. I feel like I know Kalamazoo. I feel like in some ways, like, I know what Kalamazoo wants or I'm, like, in tune with the Kalamazoo market, if you will. Um, and I don't think that I could speak for another audience. I don't know that I could speak for a wider audience outside of Kalamazoo. Maybe I could. Well, actually, I, actually, you kind of are. Yeah. Here, here's a good jumping off point because uh, this is all very well and interesting. And, <laughs> but, you know, what we really want to talk about here are memes. Memes. <laughs> and, matter of fact, good sir, you do have a <laughs> meme page. I do. And you and you have helped bring together not only myself from Grand Rapids, but people all over the world to know exactly what Kalamazoo is through a page called "Yes, There Really Is a Kalamazoo Me Page." That's true. 
Now, now I think the title is pretty self-evident, but uh, if folks don't know, it's kind of a rip-off or satire <laughs> of the, the popular saying, there really is a Kalamazoo. Yeah, yes, there really is a Kalamazoo, yeah. Yep. I, I even stole their typography and, and, like, the red and white color scheme that comes from, like, the famous t-shirt. Uh, famous, famous in Kalamazoo, I guess. Uh, t-shirt, yes, there really is a Kalamazoo that you can buy in any good Goodwill in the area. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot here, by the way. You'll also see the magnets. Uh, any person who's a former Kalamazoo person, if they're if they're a good former Kalamazoo person, they're really living it. They will have a yes, there really is a Kalamazoo magnet on the fridge. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. So, uh, how did the page get started? Like, how did the page get started? This was, it was such a simple, basic ass idea. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm a big fan of memes. I've been a big fan of memes for a long fucking time, actually, oh. since, like, I've never been, like, a 4chan user or any shit like that. But Thank uh, you, thank you. But, like, uh, Don't eat that off. Do you know uh, I Can't Has Cheeseburger, or what was that website? Yeah, I remember that. I, I had posts, like, make it to the top of that back in the day, when, like, that was where memes were. I would do, like, MS Paint. Shit in there with like the lawless and Ooh, stuff like that. Nice. So like, this was like, is this your first exposure to like internet humor? Oh yeah, yeah. Back then, yeah, because I worked at the help desk. This was in the Borges help desk era. So it was like you know, working in a help desk, all you do is sit and stare at like four monitors, and wait for your phone to ring. And I would work like nights and weekends a lot because I would DJ. So it would be like I'd DJ and then come in and just sleep at my desk. Uh, I, I can say that now. I don't work there anymore. Uh, but I would like sleep at my desk a lot. But I would surf the web a lot too and just read these, you know, humor websites and whatever, look at memes. My, my very first exposure to internet humor was uh, junior high. My friends and I would go on like shitty flash websites, mm-hmm. show the crudest humor. Yeah. And uh, our school, Thunder Bay Junior High, my junior high there would block it but this was like early 2000s so how we got around block pages like they would block the main website like www.com shitinternethumor.com but if you like wanted to like go to a specific comic or video you would just type in the that the then the page yeah. then you, like you're blocked from the main page but uh you can still go to like the other ones oh the internet filters yeah. and of course my favorite of the time was called Mr. T versus everything. Yeah? Yeah, it's basically the shitty webcomic where Mr. T would face off against various things, like Eminem. Oh, I've seen Jesus. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, he, his van was so fast, he could, like, drive to China in ten seconds. <laughs> Shit like that. Man, I love Mr. T. Yeah. Yeah, so that was my very first, like, my first beer. I, too, remember my first exposure <laughs> to internet humor. Gosh. That's a good question. Uh... What was that website we used to watch when I was in high school? And it was just little web clips of terrible things happening. Newgrounds? What? Newgrounds? No, it was before that. Oh, oh that's far back then. E-Bombs World? Yes. That's yes. That's yeah, one. Yeah. It was like something rotten or like something just, it was like two words, like something awful or whatever. And it was yep, just something like awful.com. Terrible things happening in little, like, short, like, Vine-type videos, like, 10-second, uh, grainy. Rotten.com? Maybe. Yeah, Rotten.com, that's it. Which is now live leak. There, is it really? I didn't yeah, know basically, that. it tr- Rotten.com, 
morphed Ooh. morphed into the more mainstream live week. <laughs> mainstream. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, Kalanzoo meme page, how did it start? Yeah, uh, I started to say, um, I'm a big fan of memes, always have been. Uh, I've always made them. Not always, but, you know, for the past few years have been jokingly making them for DJing and for Dance Music Needs You and <laughs> that sort of thing. And I became a big fan of, like, Grand Rapids has, like, a kind of unofficial meme page called Plant Parenthood. Oh. That's fucking hilarious. And uh, then there's Lansing Facts, which is, like, a Lansing-dedicated meme page that's hilarious. Uh, I used to live in Lansing, so I get it. a lot of the humor I get. And then there's also one dedicated to Battle Creek, Battle Creek memes. And Ooh. I was following all these, like, laughing my ass off at them. And then one day I'm sitting at work bored, and I was like, man, I can't believe there's not a Kalamazoo meme page. And then I was like, Pfft. Oh, wait, so you do have a day job. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I do yeah, have a day well, job. Yeah, you don't have to name it or anything, but, like, what's your day job? Uh, I work in pharmaceutical quality. Oh, okay. Uh... Specifically in training right now, so like I train people, I do like new hire orientation and a lot of regulatory training. Uh, I speak okay. to regulatory auditors on my company's behalf. Uh, I speak to any auditor on my company's behalf because they get audited to make sure that they're, they're complying with the FDA's regulations. And, you know, so I demonstrate those things to them. Uh, all right. Yeah, we could go into that all, all day long. If you knew my legal name, you could find all kinds of juicy stuff about my day job. Uh, we won't get into that. <laughs> Another podcast. Okay, so you're looking at all these meme pages. And yeah, and I was just like, man, I should just start one. There wasn't one before for Kalamazoo? You no, know, I couldn't find one because I thought, like, this is... I can't believe somebody hasn't done this. This has to have been well, done. There's a lot of comedians in the area. There's a lot of well, if you will, people. Well, if you will allow me to humble brag for a sec, I had one back in the early 2000s. Really? Called Kalamazoo Hipsters. Oh, shit! That was you. I'm pretty sure I saw that. Kelsey oh, Hipsters? Yes, I did. And, uh, unfortunately it ran afoul with some, uh, people I knew, friends, acquaintances, and even enemies, <laughs> had shut it down, and, uh, well, a lot of dumb shit followed. I remember that. I feel like I saw that shit. Oh, yeah, it's pretty popular, despite a lot, a lot of people claim they hate it. No, that was brilliant work. That was really great. I mean, I was a Kalamazoo hipster in that era. I mean, oh. I was fucking playing vinyl and fucking, like, into music that nobody had heard of. And, like, I went through the indie dance music thing for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Not my proudest era. Yeah, so I, so in a way, you I beat kind me, of... You beat me to the punch. Yes. <laughs> I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. There you go. Okay, so uh, you start up the page. Yeah. Is it just you, or is there other... other? It's <laughs> uh, another off-topic thing, no. Um, so initially, it was just me. I, I created the page, and I just created it as, like, literally, like, a small joke with some friends. I sent it to a few people. I started stockpiling, just, like, posting stuff to it, but I only told, like, 30 people. And... Uh, just was kind of like stockpiling, 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 stockpiling for like three, four weeks throughout the month of August. Then, um, I still remember cause it was just wild. Uh, I made a post about it on my regular Facebook page. And like I said, I fucking live on Facebook. I kind of, uh, you know, 
try to do what I can to like, you know, reach my audience and, you know, try to post things that people will interact with and enjoy and appreciate. I try to like be an outgoing personality that people want to interact with on Facebook. I, you know, I want people to feel like their opinion can be heard on my page and that sort of shit. So I'm like always trying to build my stats and grow my audience and get more people to interact so I can reach them and steer them toward dance music needs you really ultimately is my evil scheme. Uh, but so I posted one of the memes that I made to my personal page uh, just in the middle of a work day at Pfizer and I was just like, whatever, I'll just do this, see what happens. And it blew up. Like within an hour it had more than 100 likes I think. And uh, the page just started growing like fucking crazy. Like I know it's still, I would almost say still relatively new. It began in August. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And as of right now, look on my phone. Come on. It has eleven thousand two hundred forty-seven. Jesus likes. Christ! Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. You know, I was joking with two of my good friends that are also DJs, like. It's the most successful thing I've ever done. You know, like I was saying, I'm into this marketing thing from a very selfish perspective because I'm trying to further my DJing and further my partying career. Uh, And this stupid meme thing that I did that was just kind of a joke with some friends blew up way bigger than anything I've ever put a lot of time and energy and focus into. You know, DJing I've been doing for fucking 14 years. I've (laughs) put probably 10,000 hours into it. And, and yeah, you know, well, you look at my artist page, and it's got like four hundred and twenty likes. You nice, look at dance music nice. needs you is like yeah, four twenty. <laughs> my son always loves to point out four twenties. Uh, and you look at dance music needs you. That's like at eleven hundred, which is a pretty respectable number if you look at it in comparison to its peers. Um, but yeah, the fucking meme page is ten times that size. Uh, and it's done it in three months, and Dance Music Needs You has been around since 2016. Yep. So it's like, uh, you know, kind of just ironic and funny, and I've just tried not to take it too seriously. I've had some other guys help me out with it. We've had some difficulty in finding a voice or a direction. Because, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of the fucking, uh, what is it, Spider-Man, you know, what what is the saying with great uh great power comes great responsibility with, with great really. power comes great responsibility you know uh initially i expected it to just be a joke amongst like some of my friends and i think there's a little history here uh i have a, I, i've always been a jokester uh and i've had some bad run-ins with making jokes that didn't go so well for me in the past uh, oh, wow. So I'm kind of afraid to make jokes now because I've gotten my hand slapped a few times by people who had uh, hurt feelings by jokes I made or that sort of thing. So I'm kind of sensitive to that now, especially once I see that I have this audience of 11,000 people potentially. Uh, you know, I don't want to get fired from my job. I don't want to step in it. I don't want some Karen out in a portage <laughs> to like run me over with a fucking SUV when I'm walking through the parking lot or something, you know? Oh, like they just recognize you like... Oh, that's famous DJ, Joel Oliver. Oh, wait a minute. He's also the admin. So, but, but I can I can tell you uh, one reason why you're so successful, though. Compared to uh, my thing, Kalamazoo Hipsters. You see, for the most part, Kalamazoo Hipsters was just, like, a thing around me and my friends and, like, the people that I associated with. Right. Which was mostly around, like, the Vine neighborhood right. and, like, the indie rock punk scene there. Whereas uh, Cal- 
Yes, there really is a Kalamazoo meme page. You've expanded to, like, all parts of Kalamazoo and, like, surrounding it. Yeah, and that was really my... my... This is why, you, why your page just vastly dwarfed mine back in the day and has had better reception since it's not as personal. You know, I, I, I feel weird talking about this because I feel kind of like a, like an evil genius, like I hatched my plan. <laughs> but, like, you know, I, I put a lot of thought into the things that I do. I'm a thoughtful person, and this was just one of those things... You know, I've learned a little here and there about promotion and marketing from doing the DJing thing and then the Dance Music Needs You thing, and I've gotten a little better and better over time. And so for this, it was like I said, I just stashed and didn't really tell anybody for a couple of months, or like a couple of weeks. So like when I first posted it to Facebook, it was the one funny meme, but then when people clicked through, there was a lot of other content for them to go see, and it was broad content, because I thought about that, like Kalamazoo's audience is pretty broad, but if I reach, you know, I can reach even more if I make fun of Grand Rapids and Battle Creek and Allegan yeah, and Lansing. About, and yeah, I'm about to say, what are some of the favorite things that you like to make fun of? What are your targets? My, my or favorite. Th- or th- or th- Our favorite or th- target or th- is Portage Moms. Or themes, if you want to use that. Portage Moms <laughs> is one of my favorites. Striker Bros, uh, which is kind of an offshoot of the, the you know. Wait, what's Striker Bros? I know Portage Moms. Uh, Striker Bros, I've only, I, I've only made a couple memes for, um, but they're kind of like my analog to frat boys. Uh, uh, it's like the, or Quicken Bros, if you're familiar with Detroit, they have Quicken Quicken Loans as a big company. <laughs> and it's just like this culture of, again, like guys that look a lot like me that look not dissimilar to me are in my age range and probably I have behaved like them in the past. Uh, and... You know, they all dress a certain way. They, you know, are uh, open about flaunting the money that they're making because they're out of school and they're making a little bit more money than a lot of the people around them. So they like to show it off. Or they have, like, the daddy with the dealerships or the daddy with the landscaping business uh, or whatever that's paved the way for them. Uh, They're the guys that pay too much for weed. They wear uh, floral colors, pastels. You know, a, a lot of polo, like Ralph Lauren. Uh, the worst. Yeah, hate that kind of... Hey, polos. They go to, um, the entertainment district. Yeah, they go to the, like, cheesy top 40 bars, like the entertainment district here. You know, the fist pumping. They're wearing Ray-Bans with the, like, neon colors that Kanye West would have worn, like, 10 years ago. That you're like, why? That's, okay, that shit was awesome. The, yeah, it was. It had its time, but now if you see a dude wearing those, he probably pays forty an eighth. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so Striker Bros, Portage Moms. Uh, the the difference between a Portage Mom and a Kalamazoo Mom is a fun thing to play off of. Uh, making fun of the lot, uh, a lot of the little cities, uh, Battle Creek especially, because growing up uh, where yeah, I you, did, you've gone hard on Battle Creek. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. It deserves it. You know, I grew up in Delton, and Delton is, like I said, a very little farming community, rural as they say, uh, out in the middle of nowhere. And it's kind of halfway between Battle Creek and Kalamazoo. And a lot of the Delton people would go to Battle Creek, like favor Battle Creek over Kalamazoo. And I always thought that was weird and backwards. 
And so, like, growing up, I had this, like, what is, like, I hate this city. It's a mess. No. It's really weird. Like, it's organized strangely. They have that weird mall. The smell. It smells like cereal all the time. Well, that's a, you know, there's pros to everything. My friend's, my friend's <laughs> dad lived in. I really uh, like the smell of cereal, dog. <laughs> my, my friend's dad lived in that neighborhood behind the, the factory. Oh, wow. And that's, like, a neighborhood where, like, they have refrigerators lined up on the front porch to block the bullets. <laughs> and like like I got a lot of education in that neighborhood because in high school it was one of my good friends at Delton uh, we would hang out there a lot because his dad worked the night shift and it was just kind of the place where we could go and do whatever the fuck we wanted <laughs> and but like the, the, that was also the cereal like, factory yeah you'd wake up to smelling cereal in the morning which was always cool uh, even with a hangover it'd be delicious <laughs> Uh, like, that that would make me gag. Like, cinnamon to Toast Crunch. Uh, mm. Total. <laughs> no, it's, it was usually more like Cinnamon Toast Crunch or something like a Frosted Flakes. <laughs> Pop-Tarts. S'mores Pop-Tarts you could smell. Yeah, that would make me up chuck if I was on <laughs> But, yeah, uh, Battle Creek's a shithole. <laughs> that was actually where my first job was uh, when I was a junior in high school. I worked at Full Blast. The, per- the perfect place for your first job, Battle Creek. Battle Creek. Uh, full Blast, which I don't know what it's called anymore, if it's still called Full Blast. It's like a city pool. Uh, and they have, like, indoor rides. Uh, like, those in big inflatable obstacle courses for little kids. And, like, the big, I don't know if you've ever seen them. They're, like, 20, 25, 30 feet high inflatable slides that you can, like, jump and bounce yeah. down. Uh, so I was just, like, a ride operator there. Uh, and yeah, it was like in the downtown of Battle Creek, like my friend had his car broken into in the parking lot, like <laughs> you always had like random homeless people and like, you know, people that probably weren't all there mentally. Uh, I know. mean, that's, that is kind of Kalamazoo minus the cereal smell. Certain aspects of Kalamazoo. Uh, I, I love Kalamazoo. Uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I've been in uh, uh, different parts of Michigan and Kalamazoo is one of my favorite cities, honestly. Uh, Grand Rapids, in my opinion, is just too Christian. It's like I, good, a, clean fun. Everything is like safe. And it's, and it's getting better. I will say that it's it's slowly leaving that influence behind. It's it's. I, a, I know this because uh, my first year there, 2013, they were awarding you know Beer City USA. Right. Yeah, and. Uh, there's a letter at the in the letter section of Grand Rapids Press. Some woman was bitching about it. She was like, you know, this used to be known as the city of many churches. Yeah. Now it's the city of many breweries. Dutch so, Reformed. So sad. The Dutch Reformed contingent. The wood wood shoe wearers. Yeah, but it's 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 thankfully it's going away. We actually had our elections just like everyone else. Yeah. Our current mayor, uh, what's her name? I lived there. How 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 fuck do I not remember her name? I can't remember. Anyway, our current our current mayor, she uh, beat out her opponent in a landslide. Who was like this fucking pasture guy? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, whose whole 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 platform was like Jesus Bible, sanctuary city for abortion babies, and he was some kind of specific. uh, What kind of pastor? He's the type that will like put up. Uh, yeah, a bunch of signs in his front yard hoping to convert. Yeah. Him. But anyway, yeah, it's getting better, but I agree with you on that assessment. Yeah, I mean, that. I mean, Grand Rapids is cool. It's a big city. There's a lot going on. I got a lot of friends there. 
a lot of cool shit there. I love Premier, the shoe store. I love Vertigo, the record store. I bought so many records there. Uh, a lot of cool venues I've played and places I've partied. But that overwhelming, like, good, clean, fun, hey, Christian... Grand like, Rapids needs dance music. They do. I think you could provide it. Well, they have some. Uh, I, got, uh, I have some friends there that are definitely doing their thing. Uh, they, they're well taken care of. Uh, and then, you know, Lansing, like I said, is kind of in the middle of the state. State capital is not, not my kind of place. Uh, hmm. It's just flat. And Is it anyone's place, if you really think about it? Uh, I don't know. Probably somebody somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I lived in Ypsilanti, uh, right outside Ann Arbor for a while. Um, and Ann Arbor sucks. Uh, it's like got a cool vibe, but it's a nightmare to try to get in and out of, like uh, driving and stuff, just because of the way the city is set up. Like they don't like cars, and if you don't live right there, it sucks. Like you're just stuck. You should do a podcast sometime where you just give assessments. Talk about all major, the places major I hate. cities in Michigan. <laughs> it sucks. It's cool. <laughs> um, but Kalamazoo has this real like unique melting pot, like Bohemian vibe. Like there's a lot of different people here. Um, you know, it kind of has that like former Rust Belt. Like there used to be the big GM plant out in Comstock. That's gone now. Like there used to be all the paper mills. They're mostly gone now. You know, like, all these big employers have come and gone, checker cabs, Gibson guitars, and so, like, Kalamazoo's kind of taken its lumps, and it has a bit of character from it, I feel like. Uh, the people are usually very chill, like, even the police, you know, I've thrown huge fucking parties at illegal venues, like, I did a fucking party at a garage on the south side one time. And had 250 people there. Cop came out. Uh, I was renting the place from these fucking, like, uh, gangbanger dudes. <laughs> Go outside to talk to the cops. I'm the only person. I've been managing the... You know, I manage all my events. I kind of keep an eye on things. I, I watch my watchers. I watch my door guy. I watch my, you know, security staff. I watch whoever's taking money. Because they're watching the guests. Uh, and... So I go outside to interact with a cop. It's just a single Kalamazoo public safety officer, lovely human being, you know, asking me how many people are inside. I have a clicker, and so I pull it out of my pocket. I say 242. He doesn't even bat an eye. Uh, you could tell that there were a shitload of people there because the fucking parking lot is packed. The streets are packed with cars. I mean, there's a lot of cars there. And, uh, you know, he just says, you know, you're responsible. You know, we don't care if. There are people inside, we know that they're drinking, we're sure that they're probably doing drugs as well. We don't care as long as they stay safe. We're happy that you're giving them a safe environment. Looks like you have things really well under control here. Like you got a clicker, you got security people, looks fairly organized. Like have a nice night, you're responsible for these people. If anybody gets caught driving, you know, under the influence, we're coming back here and you're going to be held responsible though. Um, And I take that really seriously. Uh, You know... uh, I've had a few interactions with Kalamazoo police, and they've all gone very similar to that one. Uh, and it's funny, because, like, those gangbanger dudes that I was renting the spot from, I came back inside and got on the microphone at the party and said, like, we can keep going, everybody just has to be responsible, no drunk driving, and that kind of thing. And people went nuts, obviously. But the gangbanger dudes were like, you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, where'd the cop go? And I'm like, he left. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, 
he said we got it. We're fine. He's like, what do you mean we're fine? We got to end it? And I'm like, no. We're fine. We can keep going. He's like, what? I don't understand. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, Joel, the tax-paying-ass white dude without neck tats, you know, and a, a rap sheet that's 10 miles long, it went out there and interacted with the cop. I was polite and friendly. Yeah, it's 4 in the morning. But, you know, if you're respectful and polite, and, you know. I'm using, I, I, I joke that I'm using my white privilege for uh, the greater good. Uh, but, As you should. But, yeah, that, that, that's kind of been my interaction in Kalamazoo, and that's really something I've come to appreciate because I know well, in other jurisdictions it may not necessarily go like well, that. Well, I'm going to say that your interactions have been a lot more positive than mine, actually. <laughs> yeah? And, and no, I don't have a criminal record or anything. But I will I say that... Oh, do tell. But, uh, no, my, my interactions with Kalamazoo cops, along with, like, some at protests in, like, Chicago and Lansing, have, uh, made me have a pretty negative view of them. Oh, I, I, you know, I've, I, I don't know, my, my views on the police are always evolving. Um, well, I used to very much be in the fuck the police camp until I had these positive interactions throwing parties, and now it's kind of caused me to like, look hmm, at maybe NWA were were wrong. Well, I, I think maybe there's room for uh, you know, there's it's a it's a continuum. Yeah, it's a continuum of behaviors. Uh, there are worse police than other police, I would say. Oh, oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. You can't compare L.A. cops to Kalamazoo cops. I mean, no. holy shit. Or Grand Rapids cops, the gamblers are cops. Oh hell! Oh hell no! We're we're I think we're still under federal investigation for uh, basically pulling guns on black children. Yep. Yeah. Grand Rapids cops love doing that. Although Kalamazoo has had its run-ins. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That, but, yeah. But okay, back to the meme page. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How has the reception been? Because I know that you uh, guys got some. Uh, Got some love from a local radio station around here. Yeah, it's been overwhelmingly positive. I've really been fucking shocked. Uh, like I started to say, I'm kind of afraid of making a joke nowadays because I've made some jokes that really offended people. Uh, and so I'm kind of leery of that nowadays. I don't really want to have negative repercussions on my life uh, from some jokes I was trying to make or making, trying to make people laugh. That seems like a poor trade-off. Um, and... The, the reception to this page, even though we've kind of gone at stuff pretty hard, has been overwhelmingly positive. I haven't gotten any negative response. Uh, I've had a couple other guys uh, help me with it and write some material. Uh, and uh, we kind of have learned about where the page's uh, borders are, or edges, uh. or where the limits are uh, through those guys posting some things that I really didn't necessarily approve of. Uh, we pro posted something insinuating that, uh, s females that go to Western are maybe, uh, less than wholesome, uh, individuals who maybe have many sexual partners and that, that had a lot of negative response very, very quickly. <laughs> uh, so I deleted that meme and kind of scolded the person who posted it what the for fuck, stepping bro? over the line. Uh, I also had one guy post one that was just kind of an outright advertisement for the establishment where he works, oh, which I will not oh, name. Oh, that is lame. And I'm... I was I, I was frustrated because he didn't run it by me beforehand. He just posted it, and I woke up the next morning to this meme that wasn't funny, had no good joke, oh, and it was just a... I've done that, too. Like, I've made memes to, like, advertise myself and my work, but I've tried to, like, make it funny, even if it's, like, ironically bad funny. Not well, just like, you know, 
oh, here's a picture of Doge. Here's, yeah. Here's this something going on. You should go check it out. Exactly. You know, I have standards. Uh, corporate, corporate means, as I, uh, Anthony Fantano would call it. I, I told him repeatedly, like the guys that I was working with, like, we can sell out, but I got to get paid. Because <laughs> uh, I really didn't expect it to get that big. I thought it was just going to be a funny little joke. And like I said, it really took off overnight. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and the, we've gotten tons of reviews. All of them have been positive as far as I've seen. Uh, tons of fan mail, tons of fan submissions. Like, really, like I said, it's really been the most positively responded to thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, and it's been cool to hear from people like that. Like they said, like you really created this community. Like you brought all these different people together. We're all kind of laughing at each other and ourselves together. Like it's funny because we're all laughing together. We're not laughing at each other. You know, it's not like ha ha ha. It's like we all can kind of, except for the striker bros. You know, even the Portage moms. Like there's so many like. It cracks my ass up to go on that fucking page and read the comments from these fucking, like, middle-aged Portage moms. And they are just laughing along with me while I'm ripping into them, ripping into the Beacon Club, which is like an old fucking old person's restaurant that closed down private club restaurant out there. And they were, like, going ham on it, like, making fun of the fucking owner guy for ruining it and that kind of shit. It's just like, yes, I love you, Deborah. Come on, let's get it. Well, I must say I love the page and I appreciate it. Being a former resident, lived here from 2009 to 2012, you you guys hit the mark, just like Planned Parenthood in Grand Rapids. Thank you, man. Yeah. uh, To show my appreciation, uh, I would like to... Go over with you some of my favorite memes. Oh, me. nice. Maybe we can like get some context for those uh, those who don't know Calvin's who or never lived there. Yeah, definitely. Want, want to try that? Yeah, for sure. All right. Here's the uh, first one. Yeah, shout out to Plant Parenthood. Yep. So the first one says, oh, you live near Westnage? That just shows, which I think that's Portage right there, right? Yeah, right that's the showing the Portage portion of Westnage. Yeah, yeah. Let me do that. And then it shows, no, I live near West Edge, which is, shows Fourth Coast. Right. And also the Southwest Edge Market, very famous. Yeah. I still think they can sell alcohol. Famous area. Uh, yeah, I believe last I knew they were still selling, like, yeah. you could get, like, a tall boy at the register. Yeah, well, one of them had one of my favorite stats of all time. Uh, it must have been made by, like, the white dude that worked there at the time. He's like... It's a beautiful day here at Southwest Edge Market. Come on down and get some grape juice and toilet paper. <laughs> How about some blunts? <laughs> do you uh, get the, it's a great day, beautiful downtown Kalamazoo, do you get that reference? Honestly, I don't. So, uh, when I was a little kid, growing up, there's a furniture store downtown, kind of over by Branson Hospital, on the south side called Grapevine Furniture. And it was uh, run by this dude. Uh, there's actually... Um, Actually, another one you might be familiar with is Sundance Chevrolet. Have you ever seen the Sundance commercials from Lansing? Yeah. Same kind of like local celebrity personality, like overly uh, energetic, like oh. enthusiastic voiced. Like, wait. Ah! Oh, wait. Is this the same guy like in Grand Rapids? Uh, I think his name like John Flickamaw or something? No. John Flickamaw, a dealer for the people. Do you have a clean Uh But he would just uh, always end his commercials with... You know, come down and see us at Grapevine Kalamazoo in beautiful downtown Kalamazoo. Uh, and so, like, <laughs> if you were a kid and you lived around here, like, watching local TV, you know, 
growing up, you would see those commercials. That was like the Beltline Bar and Grill. Yep. When I was a kid, I used to see their uh, commercials all the time. I don't know what their fucking ad budget was, but they ran a shitload of local ads on Fox 47 and 17. And uh, I always thought their food would be delicious just based on the ads. It's shit, though. Beltline Bar sucks. Ouch. Plant Parenthood's actually made fun of them, and I was like, yes. Yep. Spot on. All right, next one. This was the, oh. very, the very first one that I ever shared. That, that was one of the first, like, really big fucking blew up, and then I felt yep. kind of guilty yep. about I, it. I believe this is from the cover of uh, Goosebumps. Yeah, that's a Goosebumps, famous Goosebumps. So, in the underground music community, this meme was going around. Yeah, but uh, it's the, like, skeletons on the roller coaster going down, and, like, some, like, really, like, straight-edged, like, 50s-era white people going up. Uh, and, uh, in the underground dance community, it was going around, uh, and the text said something about, like, when you're leaving the after hours, you know, at 6 a.m. and you see yeah. people on a Sunday morning going to church or whatever. And I've had that experience a lot, because I go out a lot, and I, I'm a kind of a, I don't know, I'm an early bird and I'm a late worm or whatever, I don't know, I stay up late and I get up early, uh... I don't sleep a lot, yeah. So, like, that meme really struck a nerve with me, uh, the original one. So then I changed it really shittily. Uh, that's my finger yep. hand-editing it. And my son, uh, my, my ex-wife's uh, parents live at the top of West Nitch Hill. And if you're not familiar, there's, like, this neighborhood at the top of West Nitch Hill of, like, old mansions. And it's, like, straight up all the old money in Kalamazoo. That's, like, where the old money lives. Like, on either side of the top of West Nitch Hill... Like, you go in either direction. There's a school that my son went to called Parkwood Elementary. And it's like, leave it to Beaverland. Like, time has stopped. Like, he walked to his elementary school down the sidewalk. Like, it's right there in the neighborhood. All the kids are from the neighborhood. And it's like a very wholesome, nice little community. And then if you go down Lestnitch Hill in any direction, it very quickly deteriorates into, like, you know, crack houses. <laughs> Shit, so that was kind of my... A.K.A. the the Vine neighborhood. Well, the Vine neighborhood is, yeah, in one direction, it's, like, the students. And then, like, you kind of go in the other direction, and it's, like, working community and, like, fire. Everyone knows the Vine neighborhood is 50% crack houses. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that percentage has kind of been on the rise, I feel like, in my lifetime. Just what Kalamazoo needs, right? More more crack houses. But, yeah, that was, you know, my experience is just living in this area and my son living at the top of the hill. And it was just like, wait, this is, yeah, yeah I know how I can make that one fit. Yeah. Next one, uh, and I, being a resident of Grand Rapids, I 100% agree with you. It's the one where uh, the dad's with the sick kid. Sick kid says, the intersection is more fun than Papa Pete's. Then the dad, smiling, crying, pulls the plug on him. Right. So, you know, that one, boy, I was just trying to rustle a lot of Jimmy's uh, and just go in a lot of directions with that one. Like, the obviously, the intersection's a really popular uh, unfortunately, venue, unfortunately. People have a lot of feelings about the intersection. I, I, I've expressed it before on this podcast. I hate the intersection. I call it the shitter section because <laughs> I, I hate the way it's set up. I hate the people that run it. And more so, I hate the fucking bouncers. A lot of people yeah. really hate I, the intersection. I mean, this past Sunday, I saw Jimmy Eat World there. Oh, which was nice. awesome. Yeah, bouncers are awful. And like, I was waiting to get my hand stamped. One of them says, "What are you looking at me for?" Wait, uh-huh. no, Stand? I'm not. I'm not. You got a weapon on you? No. Sure, you don't got a knife? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, you better not. My like, God, fuck you, you fucking flathead. 
So yeah, I mean, a lot of people have had that experience with the intersection. It's kind of a, it's a Grand Rapids, it's like the archetype of a Grand Rapids venue. It's like good, good so, clean, fun in Grand Rapids. Exactly. Uh, and Papa exactly. Pete's is kind of like, they operate in a similar world. They cater to similar audiences to some extent with their musical offerings. Uh, at least in the DJ world, like it's like like Papa Pete's is a lot of dubstep. Intersection, at least a few years ago, was doing tons. They're still very heavy in the dubstep world. And so it's like a lot of the times, like a lot of my friends that are into that music more than I am, I'm not really into that sound. Um, but they go to a lot of shows at both venues. And Papa Pete's is kind of like the opposite of the intersection in every way. Like the intersection is polished, professional, clean. There's 10 people. Like even the bouncer looks like, uh, like, like some kind of like Sims designed example of a bouncer. <laughs> like he's got like the one tattoo armband on his. He's wearing the black t-shirt, the white bootcut jeans. He has the little ear pierce. Like they just look like the part. Arms crossed. And you go to fucking Papa Pete's, and it looks like a dude who probably does meth. Uh, <laughs> I love Papa Pete's. I'm not trying to say more welcoming. Negative. It's much more welcoming environment. Kind of anything goes. Like. You know, whatever you want to be into, you could probably be into it at Papa Pete's. At the intersection, you might be able to get away with it, but you yeah, might also get dragged out of there by a bouncer. Yeah, official stance of this podcast. Fuck the intersection, go with Papa Pete's. Yeah, and that, I mean, Papa Pete's, you can get a beer for like $2. You can always get a PBR, you can always get a fucking two-hearted. So it's like, what more do you need out of a fucking bar? Their pizza's also really fucking good, and so is their hot sauce. Yeah. All right. Sponsored by Papa Pete's. <laughs> and Drake's Party Store. And Drake's Party Store. Okay, next one. Just a skeleton says, drives downtown, train. Train. As if, no, you know, I think it was, what, last summer? There was, like, two train derailments right here in downtown. Yes. Kalamazoo has always had a history with trains, you know. I mean, it's like a lot of these smaller towns that were, you know, originally, you know, stops on the train or whatever along the way. Uh, and Kalamazoo still has a little bit of that, like, industrial shit going on, I guess, because there's always these big-ass... Oh, yeah, it's also the middle point between Chicago and Detroit. Right. So we also get that Amtrak, which we heard earlier, the horn blaring. The, Am- the Amtrak goes in one direction, and then you get the, like, you know, industrial train going the other way and then stopping yeah. in the middle of downtown and just blocking traffic yeah. for, like, ten minutes. Well, and also, I think it is the industrial ones. Uh, they tend to go too fast on the turn there and, and then, then fucking direct Yeah. Yeah, that happened a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. So everybody, I mean, again, like you said, that's something everybody that's familiar with Kalamazoo has experienced, sitting at a fucking train. Uh, I believe that one was made by my friend Matt, Matt Schmidt, who yeah. works at Bells. He's... Holla. I'm sure he wants to be known for that, too. All right. Yeah. Next one. This features Kevin Hart, popular one. <laughs> when you're just trying to get gas, you see the X train rolling in. Right. Well, tell everyone, what is an X train in Kalamazoo? So the X train is like... When people get together and form these, like, roving, like, mobile parties where people just kind of drive their cars at a slow speed with the windows down, blasting music out of all the radios, and, you know, walking alongside the car, and they, like, pull into establishments, and they all just pop up and party and post up with their whatever that they have to party with. and also, if you believe the news stories, the white media, uh... A lot of ecstasy going around. That's the, that's the term X-Train. Well, yeah. Allegedly. I don't know. They're doing I whatever know. they're doing. I know. I've had the pleasure of only seeing one when I lived here. It was summer of, I don't know, 2011 or 2012. 
It was at the gas station that was like at the intersection of West Nidge and Michigan. Yep. Yep. And uh, stood there and kind of laughed at it all. And uh, saw some guy do, do a bunch of uh, circles in the middle of Michigan, then go off when the police came. Didn't get caught. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that sounds like extra. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yep. Next one disappearing guy. Seeing people weighing at the bottom of the stairs at Crow's Nest. Yeah, so that was, that was made by my good friend Albert, uh, and that's a hilarious one we've all experienced, uh, the fucking lines at Crow's Nest to get breakfast. Is that even going on? Because I know they... Ch- they changed their hours. They changed the hours. You, no can't, more, you can no longer go there at like 2 a.m. Yeah, tw- it's no hour 24 seven. It's kind of an end of an era there. It is an end of an era. I think that you can now get there at like 7, 8 a.m. is the earliest they serve breakfast Ooh. now. Um, but yeah, I mean... You'd be too tired and hungover by then. Right, yeah, I think we've all, uh, if you're from a certain era, we've all had crow's nests at like, you know, 3, 4, 5 a.m. Oh, I'd have. Yeah, and that, and, that, and that was really what we were going for there. Yeah. Okay, another one shows the guy from Always Sunny doing the <laughs> conspiracy theory thing, trying to explain where the dig in Bronson Park. And that was the joke made by my friend uh, Tim, Tim Ferguson, who's a really funny fucking dude. Uh, also a big integral part of DMNY, one of our street teamers. Uh, and so I don't know if you're familiar with Bronson Park, but it has a lot of history there. Uh, yeah, one of them is a uh, burial mound that is sacred to the local indigenous Yeah, population. indigenous people. And uh, unfortunately, some guy was like doing some, I guess, excavating there or repairs. Yeah, they were trying to do some kind of repairs. Yeah, and he... Uh, Start digging into the mound. Into and then, the mound. And then some people will see just shit their pants and yeah. stopped him. And so that's a you know, famous meme from uh, It's Always Sunny. And that's one of my favorite fucking shows. I actually just forced my girlfriend to watch it all. She loves it now. Uh, but uh, that's a really great episode where Charlie and Mac uh, get a job like in corporate America where I work uh, just to get health care because they need health insurance. <laughs> And Charlie's the mail delivery guy down in the basement, and he's going crazy because the mail's coming in so fast. And he starts hallucinating and losing his mind, and he becomes convinced of this conspiracy that uh, this person he keeps getting mail for, Pepe Silvia, doesn't actually exist. (laughs) It's a very fucking hilarious scene if you haven't seen it. I definitely recommend Googling that episode uh, and watching it. Look up the scene on YouTube. YouTube, you can probably find it, yeah. I got boxes of Pepe. Uh, that's like one of my favorite memes. Yep. Uh, here's a more controversial one. It shows uh, Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park standing next to, the, <laughs> next to the dino shit. It says, when you walk into Old Goat and see the crowd, well, that's one big pile of shit. Yeah, and so, <laughs> you know, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, Old Goat's a newer bar that opened up near Western's campus. Uh, you know, obviously Kalamazoo is a bit of a college town. It has the big Western campus. And so there are bars that just cater directly to students, uh, for better or worse. Uh, for those of us who aren't students, it's not always the best result. Uh, and so that was kind of just trying to poke fun at that in their audience and just kind of being that uh, yeah. lowest common denominator trying to appeal to, like, Western frat bro, yeah, you know, and, in that whole world. Yeah, we're talking about reception here. None of these businesses that you've named, like that and Crow's Nest, have, like, Comment or reached out to you or anything? Um, actually, I've had a few businesses reach out. Um, I don't know if I should name names. You know, Shakespeare's I reached out to directly firsthand. 
uh, myself when I started it because I we do ven- we do work together. You know, yeah. I do parties in their venue, so I wanted to be clear with them that I was in charge of the meme page, and you know, if they had any problems with anything, they should reach out to me and I would handle it. Uh, but they were the only people I gave that kind of notice to uh, on a professional level. Well, yeah, I mean, you got. DMNY events going on there. Right. Probably a shitty way to lose that. We made a meme about, uh, my friend Tim made one about the nachos at Kalamazoo Beer Exchange. And Kalamazoo Beer Exchange reached out, uh, actually, just to be, you know, to thank us and say that they, you know, appreciated the meme and thought the page was funny and that kind of thing. Uh, local radio has been really receptive. WRKR and KFR both. Uh, I've interacted with them quite a bit on social media. Yeah. Unfortunately, Wider has not reached out to you yet. No, you know, I've been trying to get on the air with Wider. I really hope to pull that off sometime in 2020. Soon. Soon. I want Dance Music Needs You to have a show. That that would be a, a goal right now. Um, uh, who else? TJ, T&J Towing uh, reached out after my towing meme. They'll sue the fuck out of you. <laughs> that, that was when I first moved to Kalamazoo. That was one of the big things. Yeah. That student was making a bunch of postings about how T... TJ towing like will steal your car and all yeah. that shit. They took him to court and they won. They won, yep. And that, they briefly changed their name to something else, but they didn't fool anyone, so they changed it back. They went back, I think. Still yeah. scumbags, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They they reached out. He was actually really positive and friendly, but really? it was kind of like that is very surprising. I think it's one of those situations where he was trying to like get in good. You like, know, hey, buddy, you, you don't want to be on the wrong side of the guy with yeah. a Hey, buddy, I, I love the page. I just want to say I'm a fan, but did you hear the story about how we sued a kid for this couple of years back? Meanwhile, read up on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the, they were that, that one scared me because I saw it pop up in the messages and I thought he was about to start yelling at me. Uh. <laughs> and he was really friendly and polite. And I was like, oh, wow, this is weird. And then I was joking to my as, friends, like, I, maybe these businesses are all going to try to suck up to me. As, as polite as people who are totally not criminals can be. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next one. Shows a guy shouting out to a <laughs> WMU enrollment is down. People glaring. Next one. Probably means less STD. Yeah. And then they're all smiling. So that was a joke that uh, is about actually two local news stories uh, in concert. So obviously one, Western's enrollments have been down. As all Michigan universities' enrollments are down right now, they're all suffering. Grand Valley, MSU, I heard, I read these articles. Uh, Eastern's really struggling. Uh, Central, etc., etc. Um and then the other one was an article about uh, STDs in Kalamazoo being really out of control. There's actually been a few yeah, articles like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I believe I read one of those. And it always involves uh, younger people, yeah. teenagers, dating apps, and apparently they just love raw dogging. Yeah, well, I mean, who doesn't? Good point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got a fuck trophy myself. <laughs> Very, probably not appropriate very, to refer to my son. Very, very progressive way to go about it. <laughs> Alright. But yeah, you know. Probably one of the more controversial ones. Yeah, that one actually kind of offended some people, I think. Making yeah. fun of the Western population. Yeah. Uh, next one. Actually, yeah, we can ignore that one. It's the Metro here in Grand Rapids. <laughs> who uh, got in the, They're still around, honestly, but uh, 
Yeah, they could, yeah, some guy just ran a fucking van in their front door. Yeah, I don't even know the full story on that. I just woke up to the news story and was like, whoa. Yeah, I see. Metro GR hit early Monday. Unconfirmed reports this tag was carried out by Kalamazoo, man. Mad GR stole our bar name. So there's a little history there because there used to be a Metro in Kalamazoo that was a gay bar. And alternative club. Yeah, alternative get, club. Get it right or pay the price. I apologize. <laughs> Uh, alternative club in Kalamazoo that I used to go to quite a bit because they had good parties. Um, they closed down, unfortunately, a couple of years ago. And then a good friend of mine actually opened Metro in Grand Rapids, Joshua Tree. And uh, so I was kind of giving him a little hey, bit wait, of... Joshua Tree? Yeah, that's his name. Not the U2 album? No, or the, loca- <laughs> or the park. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah, I think that's his alias or you know <laughs> his artist name. One alias. Um, but he, I've I've known Josh for a few years. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, he puts on parties in Grand Rapids as four four sound system, yeah. but he's more focused on running that. Yeah, so the metro's still around. They got a new door and everything. Yeah, the door's been fixed. I think they probably got some guns out front there, so that if someone tries that again, they just shoot them out. <laughs> Like Gatling guns on well, that's top of in the a, roof. That neighborhood, you better be strapped. Yeah. Uh, getting better-ish. Getting better-ish. Okay. Next one. WMU freshman. Kalamazoo needs more fun things to do, like Grand Rapids. Fun stuff to do in Grand Rapids, which was the Kids Bops concert at 20 Monroe Live. Yeah. This I take offense to because we get more than that. Like that JoJo Swanson girl. Uh, <laughs> Van Andel Arena. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, uh, I, I, again, I just, Grand Rapids is a target of mine. Yeah, how dare you. A favorite you. target of mine. How dare you. Popped you... up in my Facebook news feed because I follow 20 Monroe because they actually have a lot of good shows. Oh, uh, yeah. And I just thought it was humorous and something I could make a little jokey joke about because there's yeah. a kid bop, kids bop. The fun, other funny thing about kids bop is they ended up... Uh, uh, that was the same night as Bass Nectar at Van Andel, so it was kind of a weird mingling of crowds there <laughs> in that street. Uh, Alright, next one. K College House Party just shows <laughs> all these fucking dweebs just sitting around. You know, and that one kind of came to me because I realized I hadn't really made fun of K College at all. And it was like, I, well. I only went to like one K College House Party when I was living here. It was actually pretty lit. Not, yeah? as, not as lit as like a Vine Neighborhood one, but... Yeah, it was still fun. I mean, they weren't really that uptight or anything. No, yeah. They were, they were fucking rich, yeah, but still. Yeah, I mean, rich kids usually throw good parties because they have lots of money. Yeah, I mean, it's it really, it easy to sell fake drugs to them. Yeah, they're very fun. friendly about sharing and giving you lots of money. All right. Next one is a... Uh, I don't know this one, so I want to ask you. It was one of those. It's one of those yeah. overlapping memes. So, so this was one I was really curious if people would understand from my perspective. Like, it's a Venn diagram of hipsters, wooks, and in the middle where they meet, where the hipsters and the wooks meet, is Vine neighborhood. And what I was trying well, to well, what's wooks? Wooks, wooks are my girlfriend who's sleeping now. Uh, festy kids, people who are into bass nectar, uh, the dubstep music. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, it's kind of a, it's like a subculture in that world of, like, these kids, they're heady, they're into, like, jam bands and dubstep and that sort of stuff. They do the, like, they think crystals have magical powers, (laughs) they believe in astrological stuff, uh, they think everyone should share everything with them. Whippets. They're into whippets, they're into boofing, 
They're into I ketamine. They're into drugs. They're into... Uh, I can relate to them now. They're into, witness. like, borrowing everything. They're into wearing, like, raggedy clothes. They're kind of like, you know, that echo, echo, echo of the hippie generation. Like, try, trying to be hippies. But they're doing it at, like, Electric Forest, where it's like you pay $450 for your wristband, and then your wristband only lets you go into very specific areas unless yeah. you pay them more money yeah. for an even fancier wristband. But they're, like, walking around as if they're hippies and it's all free love. <laughs> uh, and that's all I have to say about that culture. But So that's what a book is. And so Kalamazoo, actually, Vine Neighborhood being its nexus for that culture, has a really unique, weird mix of, like, this hipster... Like, PBR, Moped Army, like, in all this <laughs> weird shit, like, flannel t-shirt wearing, but then also, like, dubstep. Yeah. But then they come together, it's like, crystals. hey, you got PBR in my whippets. Yeah. You got whippets in my PBR. <laughs> and they go together, like, you know, peas and carrots. Mwah. Mwah. <laughs> all right. Spaghetti and meatballs. Right. Next one uh, is the chick from... Uh, yeah. From uh, Game, Game of, of Thrones, Thrones, giving the really face. The dragon chick. Yeah. When anybody from out of state Female. tells you Oberon's your favorite beer. Yeah. Uh, mm. And, you know, that one's really meant to poke fun at all the people who think they're cool and in when they, like, name check Oberon. Uh, you know, because Oberon's kind of like the most basic-ass beer you can name check from Bell's. I mean, uh, so. I mean I'm pretty hip. My favorite craft place place here in Michigan is a socked up room company. Oh, really? Holla. They just uh, bought Gonzo's. Yeah, I know. A lot of people were angry about Me, that. I was, yeah. specifically. Yeah, and of course. Gonzo's is fucking great. And, of course, Awesome Brothers Brewing in Alpena, Michigan. Oh, nice. Um, I've never had that. i got to check that out. Yep. There's that one. And this one does offend me because I, <coughs> I am a fan of Boy of Yesterdog. I assure you it's not why I'm so fucking fat now. <laughs> so... For those of you who don't know, uh, I'll explain, because this is obviously a very biased opinion Garrett's offering. Uh, Yesterdog is absolute trash. Uh, <laughs> better than Johnny Beats. Tess, what's which, the... It's better than Johnny Beats, which recently went out of business. Well, if it rocks so hard, why is it out of business? Yeah. Um, what's the Chum Ooh. Bucket? The shitty yeah. restaurant in Spongebob? Yeah, it's it's the Chum Bucket in and Spongebob. And because... Uh, you know, yesterdog, they're hot dogs. They don't even steam the buns. Like the hot dogs are just subpar hot dogs. Why steam them when you can just throw a bunch of chili on them? Shitty chili. Ex- explain uh, that to me. <laughs> I don't. It's just not my favorite. I'm sorry. No. But uh, and then as far as late night food goes, Big Burrito in Kalamazoo, especially if you've been here as long as I have, Big Burrito's like you got to go there. I don't think Tess has ever even been to Big Burrito. <laughs> She's not. She's like a fake Kalamazoo person. <laughs> I always joke with her. She has an experience. I've, I've been there once, but I'm honestly not much of a burrito or even Mexican food fan. So. Oh man! No, I'm I'm an Italian barbecue. Uh, let's see, just sh- shitty food like yesterday dog. Yeah, I used to be more into shitty food than I am now. I became lactose intolerant like five years ago, and it's really. I'm kind of getting out of there because I'm getting up there in my years. I don't have well, I have a heart attack at 33. Well, that's I'm 32, so I'm not that far off. Thank you, Yesterdog. <laughs> All right, next one. WNU freshman first time ordering Kodge in at 1 a.m. Post Malone. Yeah, Post Malone, the famous picture of Post Malone staring at the chicks' boobs. 
in yeah. the crowd at his show. Yeah, I had Cottage Inn pizza once, like a lot. Of Only things. one time. Yeah, uh, it's actually later in my uh, years living here, so it didn't last that long. You know, it's a, I'd say de- yeah, pretty accurate. They deliver late night. It's pretty delicious, greasy. Yeah. I was more of a Gumby's fan. Oh, Gumby's is the bomb. Yeah. Which is now something else. Kazoopies? Oh, right? But it's, it's right on Westnage, like right outside Stoom Ghetto there. Yeah. Pretty sure it's Kazoopies now, isn't it? <sighs> Maybe. It, it's I think you're supposed to call it Kazoopies. That's Because there's two of them right there. Oh, yeah, there's two. Yeah, one's on Westmead. I don't know. All right. Two, All that Tim two, Allen. Yeah, two more. That's like my fucking Mona Lisa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. as you know, famous family comedian actor Tim Allen once was a resident of Kalamazoo. Yeah, famous. I believe he's an alumni here. Noted Western alum, Tim Allen. And he's also a, a local snitch because yeah. uh, he got arrested for trying to sneak cocaine on a plane here. And uh, he promptly... snitched out all his uh, yeah, right dealers. Yeah, dealer. And I can't believe he's still alive now. But yeah, I, it was also playing off the fact that Buster Bronco, the mascot uh, for Western Michigan, the used the old mascot actually designed by a guy who uh, I kind of I, not kind of I do look up to quite a bit, Paul Sizer, who's a professor at Western, designed the original Buster the Bron- uh, Buster Western's mascot in the early '90s. He actually posted on the meme page, not that one, but there's another meme with Buster where he posted an original picture of yeah. the artwork. That inspired the, the the mascot costume. Yeah, the original Buster is very welcoming. He's a uh, cartoony. He's, he's thick. He's thick. He's got like droopy eyes. He looks like he's been hitting the uh, jazz cabbage or you know uh, what is the, the, mar- cabbage? The, the marijuana cigarettes. Jazz lettuce. Uh, yeah, but the new one. Uh, Devil's lettuce. Thank you. Yeah. Jazz cabbage. The, jazz cabbage. The, the new the new um, new, new improved Buster. Buster. More hardcore. Extreme Buster. Yeah, he's like the new metal Buster. He's new metal Buster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he listens very, to Limp Biscuit. He's very aggressive. He's he all jacked scary. up on Mountain Dew. He tells his mo- uh, his stepmom he doesn't give a fuck. Uh, gamer, gamer fuel. And so the joke was entering Tim Allen's dorm near the old Buster, and leaving Tim Allen's dorm after you know doing some nose beers. Uh, you're the new extreme, new and improved new metal yeah. Buster. Yeah. This one, Leaving Wild Bull-like. And it's a screenshot from Shenmue, the famous Dreamcast game. Yeah. Do you know a place nearby where I can participate in a street fight? Yeah. And that's, again, kind of playing off the fact that that's Entertainment District Bar. It's full of, like, douchey bros with their pop collars. And they're all trying to fight you over spilling a beer on them or whatever. Have you ever gotten into a fight there? Because I've seen fights, but, uh... No, I'm actually really good at talking my way out of shit, usually. Uh, I've been kicked out of the Wild Bull a number of times, way more than any other bar. Very nice. Uh, but that's really it. I haven't been there in a long-ass fucking time. I don't, like, when I end up there, it's not a good day. It's, <laughs> I'm, You're going to get kicked out one way or another. Pretty much. And I'm gonna, like, I'm always, there's going to be that moment where I look down inevitably at my fucking shitty Bud Light, and I'm like, how did I get here? <laughs> Better start a fight. And I look around the room, and it's like, Four or five middle-aged dudes who are obviously, like, doing the, like, midlife crisis thing, and they're, like, starch Stetson shirt, thinking it's a country bar, and they're, like, trying to hit on, like, Western students half their age with their, like, fake tan, and I don't know, it's weird. It's a weird vibe. Yeah. And it's also kind of relevant, because uh, Shenmue 3 comes out soon. Oh, shit. Yeah. 
I didn't know they were still making that shit. And even more relevant, the final one I want to show you. It uh, has the famous meme from yes. Lord of the Rings. You have my sword and my bow. Then finally, the, what is it, dwarf in there? Yeah. He says, you have my axe, but it involves a local resident who, uh, in recent news, defended himself from an intruder by hitting him with a battle axe. Yeah, and that was just a big local news story. It's like these great news stories just keep falling in my lap. And it's just, like, ridiculously insane to me, uh, the hilarious stuff that happens in this city sometimes. I'm looking for the guy's name, Benny Ball. Uh, you know, somebody posted that meme right after the news story. I just kind of was looking at all the news around it. Yeah. And, uh, a guy who's friends with him shared that meme, and I immediately was like, yes. Well, what was the story? Like, this guy's just chilling in his house playing yeah. video games, and, like, a guy breaks in because I think he, like, thought his ex-girlfriend still lived there or Yeah, something. apparently he was looking for someone else. Yeah, and uh, the guy promptly defended himself, but... Unlike us casuals who will, like, maybe have a gun or Gunner, something. Gunner, yeah. No, he uh, got his fucking battle, his battle axe, axe and beat the motherfucker. I don't think he, like, killed him, but... No, he left him very bloodied and black-eyed. There was a picture of the yeah. guy that got arrested. Yep, and uh, my favorite part of the story was, uh, and I shared the story, copied the description. It was like, he is very happy that he practiced with his battle axe. Yeah. Yeah, because he's like a practiced, uh, you know, he's into that. Like, he does the, I don't know, like, medieval weaponry thing. Yeah. As a hobby, so it's like, what the fuck? Can you imagine? Yeah. And it's gotten pretty famous. I mean, my favorite podcast, last podcast on the left, has uh, covered it in their side stories. No shit. Yep. It's blown uh, up. I did not know they covered it. It's That's the awesome. biggest, basically it's the biggest thing out of Kalamazoo since, uh, Unfortunately, that one Uber driver went on that rampage. You know, I keep trying to figure out a way to make a joke about that uh, that people will laugh at, but I don't know that that's possible. I don't. We've uh, been trying to crack that one at the uh, Kalamazoo memes. Uh, give it, give it time. HQ. You, one of my favorite sayings: "Where there's a will, there's a way." You know, I mean, yeah, uh, every time we see a meme that mentions, like, shooting or guns or anything, <laughs> we're like, is this the one? Positive content. Or the, the there was the other dude what, that was, like, out his ass on drugs or whatever and mowed over all the bicyclists. Oh, you remember yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. I don't think you that, would laugh at that one. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, that one actually really is sad. So I don't, I mean, the, I don't know what you do about the school, the, the school threats, though. That'd be a good meme. Well, yeah. I don't the, want the yeah. to come talk to me. Well, the Uber guy, at least there's the kind of material of him, like, Satan contacting him through his app. And yeah, the, that's true. The the bike, was the bike one was mind. just, the bike one was just a dickhead who decided, yeah, I'm going to kill these people because I hate bicyclists. Is that what happened? Oh, he was drunk. I thought he was, he was just wasted. Like they, they all claim that shit, though. You know, I I was drunk. I was on drugs. Yeah. But yeah, so uh so there you go, that's that's those are some of my favorite memes, my appreciation. <laughs> Any future plans for the page? No, like I said, that was just a little inside joke that I started that kinda got really out of hand. Uh so I have on. no plans for it. I, I've asked some people to be involved. I've kinda had differences artistically with some of the memes. <laughs> uh Keep on shit posting, pretty much. And yeah, yeah, I've tried to keep on shit posting at a level. I'm trying to maintain this perfect level of edginess that's like not too edgy that I'll get killed. 
Like, that's that's my continuous, like, number one fear is I'm going to really piss off the wrong person and they're going to fucking... Well, it's still pretty young. Like I said, it's only been around since August, so let's see where it goes in a year from now. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> Next time I have you on the podcast, yeah, I've been sued a couple of times. <laughs> and we've... And there's been this major tragedy that they're now blaming the meat page for. God, I hope not. All right. Oh, oh, well, Joel, uh, that's all I want to talk about, man. We're in two hours. Wow. Made pretty good. Yeah, that was a great time. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, okay, dude, uh, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Is there anything you want to advertise, websites, upcoming shows? Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate having me out here. Again, shout out to Plant Parenthood, Lansing Facts, and Battle Creek Memes because they're all really inspirational to me on a personal level. Um, next, Dance Music Needs You show is actually Saturday, uh, November 30th at Shakespeare's lower level. We will have an after hours. Uh, you got to go to Shakespeare's to find out about the location of the afters, though, because it's not necessarily legal. Uh, then we'll also be doing... Uh, uh, New Year's Eve party at Shakespeare's lower level again. That's kind of becoming an uh, annual thing for us. Uh, so those are the two big ones I have coming up. Uh, DJing-wise right now, I guess I'm in a little bit of a lull. I played at Bell's last week. Uh, right now, nothing on the docket other than the Dance Music Needs You events. Okay, um, and, uh, where, where can uh, people find Dance Music Needs You? It's a great question. You can find us on Facebook at Dance Music Needs You events. Uh, Facebook page, Dance Music Needs You Events. You can also find it on Instagram, Dance Music Needs You. Uh, and SoundCloud as well, Dance Music Needs You on SoundCloud. Uh, so you can check out some of our mixes, live stuff. Yep. Um, yeah, and then you can also find me. I'm Joel Oliver. Uh, I do a lot of posting on my personal page. Uh, it's completely public so people can follow or, you know, we can be friends. With, I'm friends with everyone, even people I don't know. Uh, and then I have my DJ page as well. It's, you know, like I said, just 420 followers. And my Instagram. Very nice. My Instagram's where I ship post. Joel Oliver 100, uh, Dance Music Needs You, and then Kalamazoo Memes. All right. All right, and that will all be down in the description of this podcast. Uh, thank you, folks, for uh, listening. You can uh, follow his podcast course, you know, on the official Facebook page, Garrett Schalke Podcast. Find us on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Mixcloud, YouTube. Well, maybe YouTube. I guess they say they're going to start taking down content that doesn't make money. So my page may be in trouble. Ah. And of course, on uh, Twitter, at Schalke Podcast. And, of course not podcast related folks i have a page for my book series uh godin called godin the gray wolf chicago check out that facebook page check out the punk rock mixes for it on spotify anyway yeah that's it uh thank you joel for being on uh th- thanks to your uh, partner for coming in as well yeah you Enjoy know having her in uh thank you zach for hosting my pleasure and need time. And shout I, out to Drake's Party Store. Yeah, shout out to them. All right, folks, that's podcast. Uh, have a good night, and uh, here's the outro song. No, no, because I don't fuck with nobody. Yeah, I don't fuck with nobody, like at all, nobody. So it's very simple. I, I stay at my house, and it's just me and my homies, and I don't fuck with nobody. I don't go anywhere. I don't go to parties. I barely go outside, like literally. I really don't go outside that much just because I don't I don't fuck with
nobody, I don't go anywhere, I don't go to parties, I barely go outside, like literally, I really don't go outside that Really don't go outside that much. Mm-hmm.